2: Probably fairly of being a, a crotchety guy, a temperamental guy, a curmudgeon about Detroit sports teams, although I would argue there's plenty of good reason to be curmudgeony about these things lately, but uh, I- I've been pretty happy. I- I'm on the Rams train. I'm enjoying it as if I were a lifelong St. Louis slash LA Ram fan, so we're enjoying uh, every aspect of that run here at the Spiro Avenue show anyway. And things, I think, are looking up for uh, baseball maybe getting played I heard some whispers today. So I, I've been in a good mood. I've been in a good mood. But I, I have to, as we're setting up this Lions topic today, kind of look at things from a different perspective. Because everyone's talking about Stafford ad nauseum. And, you know, we're going to be right back on that track tonight. Not the whole night for part of it. But I want to take more of a macro view of the Detroit Lions. And you know, this is something I've been thinking about lately, particularly the last week or so. I've been thinking about what's really the issue with the Detroit Lions from a big-picture, long-term, 60-year view. Not what's going on right now. What, why haven't they ever been good? And I think you have different theories that are out there, and it's kind of the same, like four or five. Uh, I think the fools start out with the curse of Bobby Lane. There's the Detroit versus everybody nonsense. There's people who I think correctly uh, put out that the Fords are just bad. I certainly land there. There's people that think they're unlucky. And I, I truly believe that the smartest people have correctly identified it as the Fords have been the issue. They have been the common denominator throughout these, this horrible, a horrible, uh, horrifying 60-year run, almost 60-year run now. It's incredible. But I wanted to drill a little bit deeper on that. What is it specifically about the Fords? Because it's too easy to say the Fords are the one constant, we're done here. What element is it? Is it arrogance, utter stupidity, it a multivariate analysis. I've been honestly wondering because it, I knew it was the Fords. I couldn't nail down exactly what it was, but I think I got it now. I really think I got it. And I decided to play doctor in the last 24 hours and really drill deep into this. So Dr. Justin, if you'll let me play one on TV for a few minutes, is going to diagnose the problem. Here's my theory for the Detroit Lions diagnosis, why we are on this horrible run since November of 1963. So William Clay Ford Sr. famously uh, purchases this organization on November 22nd, 1963. Now, that's the same day that JFK got killed in Dallas. So if that wasn't a bad sign of things to come, I don't know what is. So we're going way back at this point. Now, his first move, the very first thing Ford did, Of any significance was to force his coach, George Wilson, to fire his staff. Forced him. Wilson resisted, forced him to do it. Now, George Wilson, six years prior, had led the Detroit Lions to their most recent title, which is still their most recent title 60 years later. So this was not some bum. This was a championship winning, successful coach, the best coach Lions had ever had. And he put them essentially at gunpoint fire these guys, or I'm getting rid of you. Now, Wilson obliges, agrees to do it, immediately ends up regretting it and resigns. Didn't want to work with the, these people that were forced upon him. So, in the first week of Ford ownership, he chased off the last guy to win a title. And and the key here is who was replaced or who was replacing him, I should say, as the biggest influencer in terms of the roster construction and the overall direction of the franchise. Who replaced the champion George Wilson? it was infamously Russ Thomas, who served not as a coach but as a general manager but had full player personnel control. Now, Russ Thomas, for the uninitiated or the um, unfamiliar, was a good friend of William Clayford Sr. Anybody from that generation that ever went out to a bar in Pontiac back in the day and other towns as well has a William Clayford Sr. out drinking with Russ Thomas uh, way deep into the night. This was essentially his drinking buddy. And this is an instructive record, Russ Thomas, who was the general manager for 22 years. And there's the record. In 22 seasons at the helm, one division title, zero playoff wins, and an overall record of 138 and 175. So this guy was almost 40 games under 500, won nothing, never won a playoff game, won one division and 22 cracks at it. And this was when the league was smaller, by the way, which is important. And he kept his job for 22 years. Can you imagine somebody for 22 years not winning a single playoff game, winning one division, being 40 games under 500 and retaining his job? No, but that was Ford's guy. That was his buddy. And let's skip a few and go to the second, I think, kind of big one in sort of the modern era is Tom Mulan. Now what's Tom Mulan's history with William Clay Ford Sr. Well, his father was the Ford family attorney and good friend of the family for years. So what was Ford's move fast forwarding? This is the Ford family, fast forwarding down uh, 40 years from that point. It's to hire the son of their good family friend and their family attorney, Tom Mulan. And you look at his record, he didn't last 22 years, 2008 to 2015, zero division titles, zero playoff wins, an overall record of 47 and 65. Atrocious. How he kept his job that long, by the way, blows my mind. But hey, he was in good with them, right? Let's go to another great example. And we can sit here today and make this as modern of an example as humanly possible because it's the current president, Rod Wood. Let's look at Rod Wood's credentials. The Ford family accountant. He literally controlled the Ford family's personal investments personal, not like the Ford Motor Company. Maybe he did some work uh, for them too, but he was their personal family accountant. He was watching the NASDAQ on behalf of the great grandkids that were coming down the line. That was Rod Wood's uh, credentials. Those were his credentials. That was why he was somehow qualified for this job. And you look at his record as we stand today, 2015 to the present, zero division titles, zero playoff wins, 35, 60, and two. And by the way, there's numerous examples of this. Matt Millen became a friend after the hiring, but kept his job way too long by anybody's account. Bobby Ross, you could even go into the staff. Bill Keenest is still there, although he was demoted. He had a number of run-ins with different media folks for his unprofessional behavior, supposedly. If you're in with this family, you can not only have a job, you can have a critical job. I just listed two team presidents. And a general manager, one of whom lasted 22 years because Ford wasn't going to fire his guy. So we can say the Fords are dumb, the Fords are stubborn, the Fords just don't care. But I think I got it nailed. I really do. If you want to look why specifically they failed, they run a billion-dollar corporation like a family-owned hot dog cart. And that's how you get your owner's drinking buddy in power for 22 seasons with no success, no reason to keep rolling them over. That's how you get an unqualified Tom Milan. That's how you get an unqualified Rod Wood, who you don't have to take my word for it that he's unqualified. At his introductory press conference, famously, he declared himself unqualified for the job. I mean, the optics of this organization's hiring and basically everything they do have been a a historical clusterfuck for people a lot older than my lifetime, but my entire Mm -hmm. lifetime, certainly. And this is how you get here. And this is to say nothing of the brutal optics on a smaller scale, not just their hiring, but their tone deafness and how they handle this thing uh, just generally, how, how this operation is run generally. My favorite kind of pet one, which Justin Rogers of the Detroit News, great guy, great columnist, a great reporter. He, he likes to think that I'm overboying this, but I think this does encapsulate sort of this organization. The draft war room, I think now almost five, six years ago for the Detroit Lions, a team with a historical track record of, of an atrocious <laughs> record, in the draft, one of the worst drafting organizations ever, if not the worst, has at their main table all the Ford family, uh, sisters, the mom and daughters, basically. And I've been told I've made too much of this by some people. Some people agree with me, but here's my position. If you're broadcasting your draft, here, here's our draft war room. We got our greatest minds and we're all together here. This is one unified unit. You don't have... Four people who don't know anything about football, who don't even know what they're doing, who have no qualifications whatsoever, be at the main table sitting right next to the phone that's supposed to dial in the draft pick. It's just bad optics. If you want the family there, make them a fly on the wall in the corner. But that, it's just even the small stuff, the minutiae. Everything is you're part of the family, so you get to sit at the head table. You know what? In my own family on Thanksgiving, I was told as a kid, you sit at the kids' table because you, like, you don't sit here. It's your house, it's my house. Even up until like five years ago, I was still at the kid's table. a guy, 29 years old. You can't do it. You have to have some deference to the people that actually have credentials in this. None of those people had any credentials. The optics are terrible. So you have this organization with a history of loathsome drafting, and they're projecting this image of just Tom Florey for elderly women with no football qualifications, not just in the room, but front and center. So. And this has been the history forever. And I think this has been their biggest problem. I think it's the nepotism and the friends and, oh, I love Jim Caldwell. If you're not their friend up front and that's why you got the job, you better get in quickly with them because if you do, you're going to hold on to your job way too long. And that's exactly what we've seen again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So this is a fitting start for them. William Ford Sr. was uh, – From the beginning, the grandson of a wealthy icon, Henry Ford, he didn't make the money or create the wealth that afforded them the ability to make this purchase of this organization. So this whole thing was born. The Detroit Lions were born of a handout nepotistic uh, seed. This is where this whole thing grew from, and it's gone right down the line to the present day. And you look at Sheila Ford hamp right now. Shea Ford hamp right now is in charge. She runs the whole thing. You can look up her listed resume. It's actually pretty funny. The work that she has listed in her own public profile is she has a master's degree in teaching and she won a state championship in tennis in high school. This is the person running a multi-billion dollar corporation. Her predecessor, her mother, Martha Ford, took over for the old man. Herself, a third generation member of the wealthy Firestone family. She's never worked a job in her life. She has never had a job. These are the people that are running this operation. And, you know, the owners are one thing, but the people right under them are are unqualified. So it's too hard to win in this league. That's the conclusion. It's too hard to win in the NFL as it is. It's so cutthroat. It's a big, big money industry. Even really smart people, really good people, really qualified people don't work out and get fired. So if you're going to be in the most cutthroat, sports entertainment league in the world, arguably. You can't be coming to that fight with your friend, the accountant, your friend's uh, attorney's son. You can't be coming to that with your drinking buddy that you go up to the bar at Pontiac with. You can't do it because you're going to get clobbered. And that's what's happened. So it's hard enough as it is. You bring the nepotism in, you're done. And that's why we're here. It's not Detroit versus everybody. It's none of that. So that's how we get 60 years of failure, and that's how we're going to continue to get 60 years of failure until you get someone in there that got their job and maintained their job, not because they, they're friends with the owner. So that's where I land. That's way too much of me, not enough of our guest, who is esteemed, who's brilliant, who is a personal friend of mine, making a long overdue second return, uh, Over our second year. appearance here. Over a year. Over a year. I'm embarrassed. That's, that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> as the host, I, I regret it, but it's Adam Badoon, Woodward Thanks. Sports Network, host of the morning Woodward Sports It's been Show. a minute. You're honestly I wasn't
0: even the host last time we did this, by the way.
2: Well, yeah, but in, in my heart and eyes and I right, know you were I, I was I was plugging this guy, Adam, like way before anyone knew who he was. And as you continue to ascend and, and you lose my number and you stop talking to me, <laughs> you have so many I have before you. I just want you to remember who was, who was clapping for you. I remember two viewers,
0: Justin Spiro in the chat. Don't worry. No, no.
2: I was talking to myself and <laughs> Sam Day's mom. Like, basically, but I mean, that's anybody on their first it's day. Such a long time ago. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. yeah. And now now I pop in there. It's like you got hundreds at a time just watching it live. Not like watching the show at the end of the, like the number. I mean, like, live hundreds. And for, you know, for you, you haven't even been there that in your role, I mean, that yeah. long. Not so even
0: four months, five yeah, months. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say
2: less than half a year. So yeah, it's, it's, and I, the it's beginning was
0: the beginning was chaos. They were still figuring out. And <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, honestly, at this point. But Dude, I got a much smaller so operation much
2: and it's chaotic for us. So I can't oh, imagine I mean, what you guys are yeah, doing. I
0: mean, you're talking about trying to build a network, trying to host a morning show, trying to become somebody that people want to listen to. That is so difficult. You know, There's always people in the chat and, you know, I try to do my best to, you know, give people shit in the chat because I think it's a very important part of it, engaging with your audience. And I just shut people up. We shouldn't be talking about Matthew Stafford. You know, shut the hell up. Yes, we should. Ratings are up. When I talk about Matthew Stafford, it does much better than when I talk about Kate Cunningham.
2: Thank you. Look, the Stafford thing, the whole, oh, he's not a topic. This is the ultimate, the guy's not here anymore topic you should be talking about because it's the ultimate referendum on an argument people have been having for like 10 years. We've been saying this forever. The Stafford supporters, defenders, apologists, whatever you want to call what I would say is us, frankly. It's, we've always said like, look, no, is he the best quarterback in the league? No. Is he second? No. Is he third? No. But the right spot, he can win divisions and playoff games. Here we are. Just
0: like any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, This was never about Matthew Stafford being Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen even. Josh Allen had more playoff wins before Stafford on Sunday. Well, technically Monday. Yeah. Like it, it didn't, it never mattered. And, you know, your whole, what, 15-minute lead-up to this conversation about the Fords? It's not a curse. It's incompetency. And you know what? When you make bad decisions as a leader, everybody under you fails. It's that simple. So you can post a record of that like, family accountant. The drinking buddy, it doesn't really reflect him so much as it reflects everybody under him as well. When you're a leader and you're making bad decisions, like I can be a bad, you know, unqualified leader. But if I hire the right guy under me, oh, I mean, I'll look way better than what I really am. Problem is you never made good hires. There's never an outstanding GM. Where's the Hall of Fame GM in Detroit's lifetime? Where's the Hall of Fame head coach? There's never been one. And then you finally stumbled upon a quarterback in 2008. You finally stumbled upon him. And he really misses his first two seasons. So you can throw that out of the book. He was a seven-year pro by the time he played his last playoff game. I mean, honestly, it was like his fifth year. He, what, played two games his rookie year, eight the next year, or vice versa. And the one constant has always been the Fords. It's always been the Lions, the GMs, the head coaches. And here we are, he leaves, he's traded, and in year one, delivers a division title, a playoff win, and we have the gall, the nerve, to say, well, that's not enough. Are you fucking kidding me?
2: That's the goalpost movie, though.
0: I don't even care about the goalposts. The Lions have one career in their fucking entirety, have one playoff win. And it came in 91. Uh, Stafford leaves for they had one season. Wins
1: before that, but I, I mean, don't
0: count yeah. really, in modern NFL terms. Yeah. They have one playoff win. The, the other six, I guess, if you want to put that in play. But no, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, pr- prior to <laughs> prior to the Fords, yeah, I'm not really going to consider that. It's 1963. To me, it's very simple. They they have had basically no success for the what 45 years before Stafford got here. He was here. They had. For them, what was relative success, and we'll talk about that later. And then the second he's gone, they go back in the tank, and he goes somewhere else and does what they said he couldn't do. So you couldn't have a more clear conclusion here. And, like, we're still arguing about it.
0: I don't understand the people, and I work with some of these people that, well, you know what? Well, he's not great. And Jared Goff could have won the game on Monday with that defense, with that run. No shit! That is the point! When have the Lions ever delivered a run game like that? A defense like that. One time he had a top 10 defense. One time in his entire career.
2: Yeah, and what did he do? I mean, he went 11-5 and five and basically got screwed out of a playoff win. So, I mean, we yeah. I mean, like,
0: was so critical. And, you know, I brought up Peyton Manning not too long ago, and I compared the first three starts of Peyton Manning and Matthew Stafford. Peyton Manning in his first three starts in the playoffs, one touchdown pass. Matthew Stafford, four.
2: Ben, Both what do you think? Should we do the Stafford thing now? Because we were going to get that. Are you ready to do the Stafford thing now, Ben? Yeah, we could do it. Let's Uh-oh. do it now. Because no, no. there's no, I mean, there's no, like. There's box. no order. Yeah, to yeah, really. I, I didn't get him on tape telling, like, you know, Sam to fuck off or anything. I, I just, I, we, I was going to get more into the, the big picture. But let's do Stafford now because I, I think that is sort of the, the hot topic right now. So I think I it's mean,
0: relevant to everything you just brought up on that screen.
2: Oh, it's all tied. It's all tied. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about the record. Ben, let's throw up that Lions without Matthew Stafford since 2008. So this is uh, (laughs) things are better with Matthew, which it's true. They're a lot better. Now, look, that 74-90 and record that Matt Stafford has had with Detroit when he was a starter here, 45% win percentage. No one's saying that's great. But the Lions record without Matthew Stafford the year before he got here? 0-16. Right. But I'm combining that with the games that he missed due to injury and then the year after he left which is this year 851 and 1 13.3% win percentage so in the modern history the lions are literally more than 3 times better when he's there than not i mean 74 and 90 it's like a,
0: i'll do one better for you yeah matthew stafford the last 25 seasons including dan campbell's most recent year all yep. the way back The Lions have a 45% win rate with Matthew Stafford without him, including the 12 years he was here
2: and the 13, uh, excuse me, the 12 prior
0: and this year, 26%.
2: We're right around uh, the same brain here, man, because that's where I was going next. I don't know if we pinned it at the same marker you did. Ben, let's throw up the next one. So this is the decade before Stafford arrived, because the reason we pulled this, you know the counter that we've gotten. Oh, of course the backup quarterback Stafford's not going to have a great Well, Yeah
0: I, I could make that argument for sure. Right. I think that's fair to say.
2: Right. but I could also say, look at how many times there's teams that have come in with a backup and literally won the Super Bowl or gotten to you know nine mm-hmm. and seven or whatever. I mean, they don't always just completely bottom out. they just don't. But so the decade before Stafford even arrives, 31 and 97. So, right where you're kind of dancing.
0: I mean, the quarterbacks for me, just honestly, no wonder I was traumatized as a kid.
2: That was brutal. I mean, we put up who did we put? Charlie Batch, Harrington, Batch Joey Harrington, Cole John
0: Kittner, and Culpepper.
2: So, this whole like, oh, of course, the backup quarter th- the quarterback thing, like, I'm sorry, any sample you want to pull, the Lions have been bad.
0: You can go to the 90s. How many losing seasons? And the 90s, honestly, for me is like, That's what you want to be as a franchise. You know, it's not overly successful, but you show your fan base you're on the way. I don't want the Super Bowl every year. I'm not stupid. One team wins it every year. Two teams get to the title game in your conference. It is not hard. Win the division one year, compete for it the next, win it any other year. You win the division every three years, I would be happy. Yeah. At this point. And that's just how the NFL is. It's a cycle. Like this Patriots dynasty, Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin hasn't, he's what? He wins the division, if I did the number correctly, one every 2.7 years. Basically every three seasons. So for two seasons, Pittsburgh, you're not winning your division. You still like the guy. You still like ownership. You still like your GM. No one's freaking out if you have a down year. That's why I didn't freak out when Jim Caldwell went 7-9. and nine. The guy earned an 11-5 and five record. Yeah. You have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then what happened those two years after? You saw a peak. And for me, it's, it's hard to conversate with just standard Detroit Lions fans because they don't even acknowledge these kind of things. Caldwell peaked year one. You saw it.
2: Oh, yeah. They were you're li-
0: you don't get to win eight games on fourth and, quarter comebacks and tell me you're a good football coach.
2: And who's beating down the door to hire the guy? The, if the proof's in the pudding, then look at that pudding. Because sorry. Well, no, no
0: Detroit Lions coach has ever gotten hired after being fired in the last, what, 35, 40 years?
2: Yeah, this doesn't happen. I mean, who, who Dick Joran was an interim coach in Buffalo. Doesn't count. That doesn't yeah. count. I mean, I, I it's just the, the bottom line is they can, and you, you use Tomlin as an example. That's more than I even need. Tomlin's never had a losing Give record. Give me Brad Childress oh, or I, Mike Zimmer. You're going too far the other way. <laughs> I mean, no,
0: I mean, if we're being real. Yeah. You win a division, you go 13-3, and three, you get to the playoffs, get to an NFC title game, you've shown me you're on the way. As a fan... Now, as a media critic, of course, when you're up, you're up. When you're down, you're down. But just from a fan perspective, Justin, these fans are not asking for much. How about not finishing fourth in division for eight straight years? We start there. That would be nice.
2: We have very low expectations of the fan base. Not in this room. You and I actually have some baseline standard that I think is reasonable. Certainly not unreasonable. But this is why I get frustrated. And I think you and I deal with a lot of the same stuff. We get called you know haters, not real fans. I want nothing more. If they get this thing right at some point, God forbid we win a title, I'll be the first one in the parade line. Like mm-hmm. I'll, 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 I'll camp out. I'll be there. Like I want this more than anybody. I think these people make success less likely to whatever extent fans can have an influence. If everybody out there was like you and me saying, screw these guys, these guys are stupid. I don't care how insulated the Fords are. Even the Fords behind their big fence are going to have uh, some cognizance of the contempt.
0: You know what hurts me? Is I can laugh at the New York Giants right now, right? In the last 24 hours, I really can't. They just hired the basically the number two man in Buffalo. Yep. And he's probably going to bring over Dabble. And they likely will turn it around. And look, the Lions have Brad Holmes. I'm not complaining about the direction of the GM right now. I really can't. I think he's done a pretty decent job. If anything, the fact that he hit on Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round, I mean, that gives him at least two, three years. I mean, you're talking a guy talent-wise, he can evaluate talent. I can accept it. What am I getting out of Dan Campbell? And I always ask this question, and people get uncomfortable. What does Dan Campbell's peak look like? Right now, I cannot answer that question, which is why he's going to get next year. Maybe the year after. But if you're 2-10 and 10, come December, it's going to be a really hard sell for me to buy in to, oh, next year is going to be the year. Jim Schwartz went 2-14, and 6-10, 10-6. And and he peaked at 10-6. and six. You saw it the next two years. But he earned the right to be the coach the next two years.
2: Here's the thing on Dan Campbell, and I, I watched your show this morning, caught most of it, and you seemed to, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase. I didn't I'll write go, it down. feel free, feel this free. This wasn't on my prep for anything, but you effectively said something like, um, I'm good with Dan Campbell maintaining control of the offense next year. Like, yep. He, he showed enough. I'm pushing point. for it, actually. Yeah, you seem very pro. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I want to make sure I didn't mischaracterize your opinion. So here's where I depart from you, and you and I usually agree on most stuff, certainly on the Lions. We have seen this. There's, there's myriad examples. Honestly, the best one probably it locally would be Jim Bob Cooter, where he replaces, it was a Lombardi midseason offense, immediately gets significantly better. And then the next year, his first full season even, it was one of Stafford's best years. They were, I think it was 15. They were having a great year when Calvin left. It was like the year after Calvin left. Yep. Jim Bob Cooter was the bee's knees. Everybody like makes fun of him, like, what were they doing hiring Jim Bob Cooter? Why did he get the full-time job? They were lighting it up. Stafford vouched for him. It was defensible. League figured him out. Mm-hmm. The league figured him out. Dan Campbell. Teams when they get tape on you, it can take one, two, even three years for Lamar players. Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a great example. But there, there's, I mean, honestly, even before he got hurt, RG three. There's guys that my perspective
0: takes that into account, but it's not everything for me. For me, it was the leadership decision. I'm a big fan of leadership in terms of structure in a company. I work at one. I am a figure leader at a company. And as a leader, you're going to have to make decisions in the micro that may look like everything is going shit. But in the macro, everything works out. I mean, we did this at Woodward Sports multiple times. And when Dan Campbell pushed back Anthony Lynn and the first two games were pretty rough and then they got better and better and better as they went, for me, it told me the leadership capabilities he has. Now, is he Sean Payton? Is he Andy Reid? I don't know. Likely is he? No, of course. I can be cynical and say that, but I don't know. And why, if he couldn't get along with, I would say, a seasoned coach in the NFL, Anthony Lynn, if he couldn't get him to do what he wanted, why not just take the reins yourself? It's easier for me to judge you as a coach because I don't have to get involved in, oh, well, the offensive coordinator was the problem. No, no, no. Remove the variables. You know what kind of offense you want to run? do it. I will support it. And if it's awful, it's awful. If it's great, great. Make that decision. You have to make tough decisions.
2: I I get what you're saying, but I think you're making a good argument that I don't even have a problem with for him replacing him in season. That's not what I'm saying. Long term. I'm talking about the job next year, calling plays next year. There's not that many guys that do it. McVay, Shanahan still Shanahan yeah. still does it. Uh, Reed obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't care what people say about Beanie. Like Reed's yep. got the play sheet in front of him. Mm-hmm. But the guys that do it are typically savants, established offensive play callers, before. Experienced before. Right. As, a, as they're established, successful offensive coordinators. Prior, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan was basically the biggest reason the Falcons went to the Super Bowl.
0: Yep. So and look how Matt Ryan did after.
2: Yeah. The guys that do it. And it's the select few have established chops. I'm fine with Dan Campbell. This isn't working out this season on an interim basis. I'm coming in and getting this some version of right. Yep. I'm fine with that. I'm with you. It's the long term thing. I think it's pretty presumptuous. There's not that many guys that can do it for a reason. I think it's tough. It takes you out of some elements of the to game to make
0: that decision mid season, and to offer the job to somebody after. And who's a, who wants to come to Detroit? What offensive coordinator, seasoned one, right now? There isn't one. Maybe you find him in college. Now, what you're going to have to do if you're Dan Campbell, if you want to go higher outside, is you're going to go find the tight ends coach, the offensive assistant coach. You're going to go give somebody their first opportunity. Really? That's what you want to hedge your future as the Detroit Lions head coach on? If I'm Dan Campbell, I'm taking the reins. My, my job's on the line, Justin. I have to get rid of Anthony Lynn. Who do I trust more than anybody in this room to call plays? Myself. Okay, I'm calling the plays. That's it. I mean, I think it's that straightforward. Now, uh, would you, I mean, this idea of promoting Deuce daily blows, blows, absolutely blows my mind. I'm not sure what the qualification is, but hey, all right, fine, whatever.
2: Uh, what are Dan Campbell's qualifications? You're defending Dan course. Campbell. What are his qualifications? Well, you know
0: what? I saw the product on the field, and I'm not saying it was the greatest thing. Yeah. But considering how bad it was to how respectable. It was watchable. It's not the dynamic offense of the Chiefs at the goal line. I mean, it's none of this stuff, and people forget. Anthony Lynn was moving the ball up and down the field. It's just the red zone offense was terrible. So for me, when you make that kind of decision, there's no going back. The CEO doesn't get demoted as the marketing manager, and he sticks around. No, you're either CEO or you leave. Dan Campbell, you took the play calls, who the hell is he going to give him up to? And what what guy has the confidence to come to Detroit with Jared Goff as his quarterback, an outstanding offensive line, no wide receivers outside of St. Brown, and say, "Yeah, I'm going to get a head coaching job because I'm going to be the coach." Nobody.
2: I maybe, but that doesn't mean you don't look. The fa- my issue is with the presumption that oh, I got this. Like, I'm not even going to look. I don't know. I don't think they've announced that he's maintaining that. No, right? they haven't. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just sort of the buzz is that he might, and you're advocating for it. I'm advocating
0: I, for it. I don't look. If they don't, I'm not going to freak out. It's not going to drive me insane. But, again, I, I look for leadership qualities in people. I work with people every day. I see how they behave. And when somebody's able to make a micro decision, which in the short term everybody freaked out about, but in the macro it kind of worked out at the end. And everybody was like, oh, okay, that actually wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be.
2: They, showed a, they, they did show a pulse. I, I, again, no problem with the short-term, the long-term short long thing. I'm not a big fan of. And this is, this is like— But wouldn't you want to find out? No, I don't want to find out. Everything is, ta- everything is taking a bet in this league, okay? It's the same thing with Matt Patricia. I was in support of the higher net because I thought it would work out for sure because I don't think anything's going to work out for no. the Lions for sure. But if you're going to make a bet, I think seemed to be a really smart guy. Everyone kind of shits on him for taking some credit for— the uh, Malcolm Butler interception. It was bad timing to bring that in. You know, Detroit Lions Anytime loss. you bring
0: up excuses or your past right. success when you're under pressure, it's never a good one. I
2: agree. I'm not defending him saying it, yeah. but I will defend like Malcolm Butler. is. He's a good – he
0: knows the game of football. Yeah. Matt but- Patricia knows the game of football, and that's what I try to get across to everybody I come across. You can work the long hours. You can be the first one in, last one out. You could have all the knowledge in the world. You could have studied under Sean McVay. That doesn't mean you will be successful.
2: I agree. The point is he was worth the bet. Absolutely. There's, guys, there's hires that have not worked out in sports in any business that made sense, that were defensible, that this guy's credential checked all the boxes seemed to be a good way to go. Everything to bet because nobody knows anything. And I think if I'm going to make a bet, I want to bet on someone with a with little experience. more experience. I'm I'm on board with that. I just don't buy. Look, I, I do not think Dan. Well, look Campbell, at where
0: look at where the lines are at. If this doesn't work, Justin, huh, I don't know if I can handle another project going to crap. The, you mean the Dan Campbell thing generally, yeah. or the the him? Dan Campbell Brad Holmes project? Does it work out? And Brad Holmes does have one kind of safety uh, pin that he can always pull. I didn't hire this guy.
2: It was an arranged marriage. He so, will get a second coach. Yeah, is, he, yeah,
0: he will get a second opportunity. Yeah. Dan Campbell does it, and that's why I'm, I'm defending him in that context, is this is my one... Dan Campbell gets fired. He's not going to be the head coach of any NFL team ever. Book it. So, if I'm Dan Campbell, if I feel I have the most... I have the highest upside of everybody involved with me in the room, Deuce Daly, Antoine Randall, Ben Johnson, if I feel I am the one that is most qualified in this room right now, even outside, to call these plays, I'm going to do it. This is my, my one opportunity to be a head coach in the league. Why am I going to throw it away? And why am I going to put my trust in somebody who may work out, may not work out? Anthony Lynn didn't work out. Who the hell's to say Dan Campbell's going to pull out some other offensive coordinator? That could work out. If you couldn't get along yeah. with a, a quiet gentleman in Anthony Lynn, who, by the way, total professional how he handled it, if you couldn't get along with him in terms of you know, schematics, whatever it may be. Who's out there that you can without making a scene?
2: The argument, you know, you're making that, oh, you know, if I'm Dan Campbell, I want to control my own fate. I'm even good with that argument. It doesn't make it the right thing to do. Just because Dan Campbell has a defensible position of, yeah, he wants to control his own destiny, doesn't mean it's the right move. What I'm saying is it's the wrong move. But I guess at the end of the day, I don't think any of this matters because this is something I put out this week. I think the one way this organization can really get out of this without the Ford selling, because that's the given that I think we all—I think will never happen. Probably not. So aside from that, put that yeah. they're keeping the, the team. The one way out of this where the Lions can win big is to either tank and they pick first, or they land on some guy like Tom Brady. But they did already, round. right? Well, but you have to in the right time. Stafford, as great as he is, my argument is they have to land. I I listed the two. I gave the two exact names. And not going to be now, but it's got to be somebody like that. Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Because those two guys. Andrew Luck. No. When they come into. Well, they came into losing cultures. So I guess to your point, yes. But here's here's where Brady and Manning stood out and stand out in Brady's case. When they come in, the entire organization. Is them. It's theirs. How practices are run, how things are, what kind of uh, drinks are in the, the buffet line. Like everything those guys do, it is Peyton Manning's organization. It's Tom Brady's organization. As great as Rodgers is, as great as Mahomes are, uh, both of them better individual just talents than either of the, the two I'm advocating for. They're not like encapsulating everything with the organization. They need somebody to come in that is. But
0: that's based on them never getting a qualified head coach and
2: a qualified GM. I think quarterbacks more important, and I, I don't think I think that's the only way that they're ever going to be good. I don't see another path because you have to overcome the ownership. You can have a great head coach. I don't think a great. Maybe I don't think Bill, even Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill, Bill no, Belichick was with a, a losing organization mm-hmm. with the Browns, and, he and could, it didn't work out. And he won them a playoff game. Yeah, but they, uh, not a big success. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay didn't do shit for 20 years. Yep. Over their oh, Super Bowl man, champs I'm so overnight. glad you brought that up. Yep. Their Super Bowl champs overnight. The Broncos were flailing. They were fucking around with Tebow and Brady Quinn. Yep. Manning gets there. Year one Super Bowl. Lost, but year mm-hmm. one Super Eventually Bowl. Eventually wins it. I'm not really giving him that much credit for the win because the defense carried him. But, but still, but the he, culture changed. Right, the culture changed. The expectation changed. was we need
0: to win a Super Bowl. Paint Manning's here.
2: Yes. There's no other way. One of the lines ever started a season,
0: even with Stafford. We need to win the Super Bowl this year. We have Super Bowl expectations. Never. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> never. Not, maybe
2: early '90s. I was like still shitting. Why? Well, I mean, them,
0: in terms of when Stafford was here, those 12. Oh, years, it no. was not even close. No. Good luck finding a, a Brady or Manning, right?
2: Yeah, I'm not saying it is a strategy. Oh, go find. Oh, one. I know, I know. But, Easier
0: but, said than done, obviously. But
2: that's the only way, though, is what I'm saying.
0: I, I think there is an alternative. Universe that exists where the lions bring in the right GM, the right head coach, but boy, do they need to be hands off. And Rod Wood, again, friend, accountant. There's always the same variable every single time. So if this project doesn't work out, I'm gonna be supporting the team till I die. That's never gonna change. They got me. That's it. Like I'm not changing myself. I'm not gonna go support the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I'm a Lions guy. That's it. And my fate is sealed. My kids will suffer. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's what my dad always told me. I'm with you. I am too. But like, at the end of the day, you had, and I I hate always going back to Stafford, but you had the foundation to deliver enough success to get rid of the same old Lions stigma. And they failed to do it.
2: I thought that 2014 team, which they could have won that game a million ways, but... Look, I am the anti-Detroit versus everybody ref screwed us thing. I hate that stuff. And I don't think it's a Detroit versus everybody or the refs tried to screw anybody. But they did get screwed oh, up. That was way. bad.
0: That was really bad.
2: Yeah. Jim Caldwell also should have gone for it on three. Yeah, well the Bills one, lost but... two Super Bowls because of a kicker. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: It's not Buffalo versus everybody.
2: I no, I, I think it's ridiculous, but I will say that 2014 Lions team really like actually could have won a Super Bowl. I really believe that. They had a top but had
0: they kept it together too. You had Darius Slay entering his prime, Glover Quinn entering his prime. If you would have drafted Aaron Donald, that wouldn't have been an issue. Um, They had, you know, we can talk about that all the time and reminisce. And The sad part is even the players, Joyke Bell, perfect example. Even Calvin, he's come out and said, and, of course, Jim Caldwell. We felt like we were a tight end away. That's why you're the Lions. Yeah, That's why you're the Lions. We felt like we were a tight end in a way or, or a tight end away. And the time of football, where who were the premier tight ends? Tony Gonzalez was heading he was out. Winding down. Gronk yeah. was kind of emerging, but that wasn't the you know the de facto why the Patriots were successful. They had one without him. You were a tight end away, Jim. That was that was it. Not trying to kill the other team's quarterback. Defensive rookie of the year, All Pro every single year since. It's unbelievable.
2: I mean, the fact they had a competent offensive line. They weren't good, but they I think they were like 19th. They were average.
0: They were middle of the pack.
2: Yeah, they were middle. They were not like bad. They weren't a weakness. They were just average. And Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, Pettigrew for all that he gets shit on is like was a functional NFL tight end. They had a top five defense that pro football focus had them as like that. I mean, that year, things have changed. But that year, they were the second best defense in the past, like, 10 years or something by their metrics. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was considered an elite defense, even better than some of the traditional. You know what's funny
0: that year, every time they played a good team, that defense didn't show up.
2: That's fair. That's fair. I, I I just, I think it is interesting because that is the one team that I really thought like going in.
0: I think we all all felt that way
2: going into the playoffs. I mean, they were going to, they
0: were going to beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys were going to continue to choke. That was the narrative. And the lions were finally going to get over the hump. And fourth and one, you had an opportunity, and you punted.
2: Yeah, and what happened with that punt? It was like a 17-yard punt. Unreal. They, they the, I mean, you know, at least pin him deep. I, I love
0: that you brought up Pettigrew and defended him a little bit because I want to defend Eric Ebron. The hell, the hell are we complaining about Ebron? His first 40 games in the three years he was in Detroit, those first three seasons, side-by-side side next to him, They each have played 40 games in three years. 1,400 yards, 1,700 yards. Seven touchdowns. I believe Hawk has 12. So he's you know, more touchdowns. But, oh, Eric Ebron drops the ball. Eric Ebron had a better pass-catching pass rate through two seasons than TJ Hawkinson.
2: What's the difference between those two guys, though?
0: One has much higher upside, of course.
2: No, I'm, ta- well, I'm talking about just in those first few years. Ebron had a big mouth, man. Oh, he, e- had, he was mentally was
0: weak. J- but look, Hawk fans. came into what situation, though? He didn't come into a winning situation.
2: What do you? I'm just saying that's why people shit on Ebron. If Ebron just kept his head down and played hard, that'd be different. He was. He, was and he had a big
0: mouth. He was in the clubs, making a lot of noise, being extremely rude to people. Prince
2: Fielder, same thing. Prince Fielder, people act like Prince Fielder came here and hit 240 and 10 home runs.
0: I wish it, he had 240.
2: What? He was better both years. Prince Fielder was really good, especially that first year. His OPS was like 920 or mm-hmm. something. He was like the seventh highest OPS in baseball that year. The second year was down a little bit, but he had two good seasons. No, he,
0: he was extremely productive. Yeah. It was glossed over by the bullpen. I mean, it's, it's always been well, the weakness, but, but...
2: He struggled in the postseason, but it was his attitude. The reason people really turned on him was the attitude. It was like, oh, I got to go hang out with my kids. Like, he yeah. didn't give a shit. Like, why do I care more than you? So I, I just think I get what you're saying, but whatever. We digress. The point is we have seen one team that I actually thought was good enough to win a Super Bowl. I certainly think Stafford was good enough to win a Super Bowl. So we have seen them. They didn't get close. They didn't even win one game. Mm-hmm. But, like, we've seen them assemble a roster that could. And then you said it back. Like, the Aaron Donald thing, you you would have, you could have kept that thing That rolled. was going
0: on. The Lions, I guarantee you, they draft Aaron Donald, even if he doesn't become the All-Pro he is in, Los Angeles. They win the division the next year. And Aaron Rodgers, who knows if he retires early. Things things always happen for a reason. But the Lions would. uh, That's one of the worst you could have moments in Detroit Lions history.
2: No hindsight, by the way. No. Everybody
0: was talking about the defensive stud coming into the draft. That was Aaron Donald. And that he would be available. And all the scouts and experts had him available by the time the Lions picked. Very few mock drafts had him going any
2: higher. I wanted
0: him. Eric Ebron was a, our Super Bowl away player. Wow. That's why you're the Lions.
2: Am I misremembering that? Because I know I wanted him, but I felt like 80% of the fan base were all... I'll about-
0: tell you where I was that day. NFL draft. Sitting in the basement with my dad and my, my brother. Always watched the draft together. Older brother. Four years older than me. And... Eric Ebron is selected, and my brother looks at me, and he says, he gives me that look, and he says, you're kidding me, and my dad says, who the fuck is that? Because my dad was full-blown Aaron Donald, and my dad doesn't even pay attention to the goddamn sport, and he knew this was the guy. My dad, who's a construction worker, who pays zero attention on social media to anything, <laughs> and he could figure out that Aaron Donald was the right pick, and I just looked and I, I just I I had no words. I was silent, and I went home and the rest is history.
2: I mean, the group I was in because the site I used to write for, and we had our like message board back when message boards were still a thing, is like the tail end of that era, but we were like one hundred percent. Wanted Donald. Like, we were live Mm -hmm. posting and stuff and talking about it in text and stuff. There wasn't one person that was like, oh, but, you know, even Beckham Jr. or something, Like, Certainly no one wanted Ebron. And it's funny, like Iran's whole thing was is all like Baxter the draft, pulls little stuff. It's like, oh, he proposed the day of the draft or the, yesterday before the draft or whatever. He ended up dumping the girl like two months later. <laughs> so it's just like, this whole thing was like the up optics to a rough of the start. whole thing was, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it awful. Was, it was rough, and that was a, a huge sting on what they were doing to keep that rolling. I think that's a great point. Just not just we all knew they should have taken him, but just mm-hmm. that kind of fork in the road. What was
0: the conversation recently? When the Lions had the number three overall pick. Nobody believed in Jim, or excuse me, Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn at that moment of time. And what did ownership do? They came out and kindly said, We don't believe in this current team that we've assembled, but we're gonna give them this year. If they don't win, they're done. Really? You're gonna give those people who you don't believe in an entire season with the number three overall pick. That could have been Justin Herbert, may I add?
2: Yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I can't kill him for that. I can kill him for not taking a corner. I can kill
0: him for not thinking into the future. Oh, I, I killed him in real knew time. If you the roster, for- if you knew the roster was not good enough, which honestly, a homeless person could have figured out that roster was not good enough to win nine ten games, even with Stafford. And you think you're gonna take a corner at three and sign off on it? You don't want I mean, to talk somebody, about setting the setting the franchise
2: back years. You don't want to make that pick is the bottom line. Absolutely. But Who's qualified in the
0: ma- building to do it? None of them. That's also a big problem. That's
2: why they had to go. But again, that people that oh, I'm talking about
0: ownership, the president, too. Like if you take it out of Bob Quinn's hand, who's qualified there? One of your scouts? Maybe.
2: Oh, Rod Wood, you can give him some stock tips. I mean, maybe that maybe that'll help. That's always been the problem. And but that's what we laid out. And here we are. Here we are, and
0: people say, well, why can't you ever talk nicely about the Lions? I would give my limbs. I offered my arms and my legs for this team to be successful. I heard you. Like, I would kill. I would kill and go to jail if it meant the Lions would be successful for a 10-year decade. I will take one
2: for everyone. Look, here's the bottom line. They are victim-blaming when they come after people like you and me. Why Why is it on me and people going after people like us? Why is it on us to be nice? Can they be nice to us as a team team and give us nice things? Can we buy tickets to the home playoff game
0: at Ford Field? Oh, haven't seen one of those. Can I buy memorabilia saying we were the twenty twenty three division champions? Can't buy that. Nowhere to be found. Can you imagine how fun it would be if they were good? Like even Uh, that, even it'd be the the greatest thing for the city. It's something I wish and pray for. It would be the greatest thing for the Lions to be successful.
2: Look at the love they get for not doing anything.
0: Uh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to say two weeks ago, I started the show, 15 minute complete tirade. <laughs> and what That's I did mess. was, and what I did was, I just, I tried to put success into context. I wanted the general fan to understand what success was and why people like me and you are so frustrated with the Detroit Lions but not the Detroit Pistons who have been irrelevant for a decade. Why? They gave me 4 They gave me seven straight Eastern Conference Finals. I'll be patient, and I'll continue to be patient. The Tigers, they haven't won since 84. You know what? Been to the World Series twice, multiple ALCS appearances. I'll be patient. They've shown me they can get it together. The Red Wings, last cup in what? 8 I believe? Yep. I have every reason to be upset about the Red Wings after that. Especially the Franz and signing and letting Hosa go. But here we go. Here we go. I will be patient because you've delivered me great memories. What memories have the Lions given any of the fans? None.
2: Yeah. Outside a, of trauma. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of what I did for those 15 minutes. I just said, this is why people are patient. And I'm not expecting the Pistons to win a title for five years, Justin. Hell, I could say seven years if they're lucky to win a title.
2: The Red Wings have like a 30-year grace period with me, of which they're they've used about seven or eight. Yep. So they're in it. But like I don't need them to never ever do anything again. I'd like to take my sons and you know my daughter if she's interested. Of course. But like they earned a lot of time with me. Pistons less, but still I'm not I am I'm, I'm with you. Pistons, it's time to get rolling pretty soon. The Lions, like again. Would I be heartbroken without a title with some close calls? Yeah, I've lived it with the Tigers. How do you get
0: rid of same old lion stigma? What's your, like, theory? What's your, uh, I'll tell you mine.
2: Specific criteria?
0: Specific criteria.
2: Um, Two division wins in five years. Okay. You know, is one. I'll give you a 10-year period.
0: If they won the division three times in 10 years, multiple playoff wins, and one NFC title appearance, whether they win or lost, that for me is a functionable franchise. It's not asking for much. Win the division every three years. But you're going to have moments, guys. I don't care who you are. Your team will be bad. It happens to everybody. The Packers went from 67 to 95. One division time. Since 95, obviously, they've dominated my life. But whatever, it's not irrele- It's not relevant. But that's the point. Teams can go. The Vikings. Justin, was the last time they won a Super Bowl? When's the last time they've been to a Super Bowl? Excuse me. Have they, have they, 77. Have, have they ever won? No. Yeah. 77. I, say I didn't think they'd ever won one. 77. And you know what? I think a lot about the Vikings organization. I they do. They've won divisions. They've been to an NFC title game with Case Keenum. During Matthew Stafford's time, I've watched Jay Cutler, Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Who else? Off the top of my head, uh, that's won a division. Case Keenum's won a division. Teddy Bridgewater's won a division. You can't win a division with Matthew Stafford. I mean,
2: the Vikings, the best kicker in the league, who hadn't missed all year, missed like a thirty-eight yarder and a dome, and they would have been in the Super the Bowl. The Bears'
0: kicker, yeah, like that team was good, you and can't. it probably cost Matt Nagy his job four years later.
2: You can't blame like the organization. Oh, they're dysfunctional because a kicker misses like a no. gimme. Like that's where it's like, okay, that's not not out of your hands, maybe, but it's not a, a referendum on the whole operation.
0: The Bills. Let's not. Let's use the Bills. The Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, and they became basically like the dirt of the NFL for a long time. They were like part of that bottom five group. Tom Brady had owned them every single time they had played. They were always finishing third or fourth in the division. Then they draft Josh Allen, and then they get their organization put together, and they hire a good head coach. And what do you know? They've won a
2: division, and they've won playoff games. Like It's not hard. And they're rolling. It's but not hard. It's, it's it's not hard on a long enough timeline. That's the point. Like, it's not hard to flare up and be good every once in a while. They haven't done it. I want to transition to this. Now, the quarterback situation, I've heard a variety of opinions at, at your network, and I, I, I kind of see where both sides are going with this, particularly the idea of drafting a quarterback early, mainly with one of those first two picks uh, here in a few months. So I think... In general, most people think this is a good year to sit out drafting a quarterback. You know, maybe you take a project in the fifth round or whatever, but you don't use one of those topics on them. I kind of land here as well. This is sort of where I land as well generally. But I will say, as you know, these evaluations are difficult to begin with. This class in particular appears to be weak. So it's hard enough to find, even if you think, oh, the class is great. Everyone thought Justin Fields was the beast. Mm-hmm. He might not be able to play at all. Like, sorry, Joey. But, like, I know Joey thought the John Elway.
0: Trevor Lawrence would be a bust.
2: Well, it's, <laughs> he looks pretty bad, but I, I'm all in on Trevor yeah. Lawrence still. But it's hard enough to begin with even when you like the class. We all agree this class appears a lot weaker. Now it's even harder to hit in that first round. So I get all that. But there's one element. That does intrigue me, even though the Lions clearly do need a pass rusher and the the best two prospects just happen to be pass rushers and they have the second pick. Everything is pointing towards no way a quarterback, right? Certainly not with that first pick, the second overall. I was thinking about this this past week, though. They have somebody sitting in that front office who's been in the situation before where a quarterback was selected by his ruling, by his decision, got a lot of shit for it. And now he looks brilliant. And this guy's sitting in the room right now. Patrick Mahomes gets drafted in 2017, 10th overall. The Chiefs trade multiple first round picks, and I think a third round pick to get him, to move up to get him at 10. The blowback was pretty strong. You had a couple defenders, but in general, it was pretty bad. So we pulled up some of those clips of Patrick Mahomes uh, post draft in 2017. This is what some of that looked like. And believe me, we cut a few out. <laughs> Steven Ruiz from USA Today, quote, Calling Patrick Mahomes a project is a major understatement. He's nowhere near ready to play in the NFL, and honestly, he may never be. Between his inconsistent accuracy due to poor mechanics, his tendency to bail from clean pockets, and his lack of field vision, he's going to leave as many big plays on the field as he creates. This was a risky pick. Everything he said is true, though. Post-draft.
0: That was Patrick Mahomes coming out of the draft. Now it takes somebody like the Chiefs' front office and a head coach like Andy Reid to get that going. That's and, fair. And They nailed it. They completely that's, nailed it.
2: That's fair. And and I mean, we but pulled, that was true. We pulled a few more, which some of them are kind of similar analysis, uh, you know, essentially. But I mean, this is Dan uh, Kadar from SB Nation. Quote: The Chiefs gave up way too much to trade up for quarterback Patrick Mahomes in the first round. If he works out, I look dumb and it doesn't matter. But to give up uh, picks number 27 and 91 this year and a first-round pick in 2018 is too much. And we'll flip to the third one really quick and then we'll dig into this. That's crazy. So Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, (laughs) this pick is a C-minus. Trading up for Mahomes, a big-arm gunslinger who really doesn't mesh with the true mentality as Alex's successor, sets up a bad tone in this draft. So this was before they got into the second round and... So, I mean, this was, Mel Kuyper gave it a C. Like, I mean, very few people liked this, okay? You think in real time it was fair.
0: The first comment, 100% accurate, outside of his opinions. Now, the other two after, opinion-based, I don't like any of those. I think that's wrong. I would give away five first-round picks if you told me I was able to draft a Patrick Mahomes. If I believe in a quarterback, and it could be Brad Holmes this year, I do absolutely whatever it takes. And if it means I take him at number two, damn it, I do it.
2: So this is where we're going. They have a guy who in the face of this criticism stood up there and said, I don't care what you guys think. I got the right guy. John Dorsey, who was the chief's president and general manager, who made the executive decision. It was his call. This was his, even ownership said, this was John Dorsey's decision to go forward and trade these picks. all looks great now. The general consensus with a few people deviating was what we presented. Bad pick, overpaid to move up to take Mahomes. John Dorsey smells like roses. This is John Dorsey facing the media. Now we cut out the people actually asking the questions, but take my word for it. And the responses hopefully will allude to that. They were asking him like, hey, is basically, wasn't this a little bit too much to move up for Patrick Mahomes? So it's a little bit long, but let's roll it and uh, get a glimpse of this.
1: From the very beginning, all the way back from where we evaluated him back in September, October, um, the reigning consensus was he's got unbelievable talent. He's got the skill set to be one of those truly great players. And I think sometimes when you make an aggressive move like that, that's why you do it because these players, very few, they they don't come by too often. So you have to take a shot at it. And that's kind of what we did. Uh, I think from a... uh, From a compensation standpoint, I don't think it was a lot. This is a really good football player. And I think these types of guys don't come around that often. And I'm willing to invest in that type of player because I believe in his skill set and what he is going to develop into. The quarterback position is, this is a quarterback-driven league, and you have to have a system in place with a veteran and a younger guy who's willing to develop it. And you have to have these quarterbacks to succeed in the National Football League. All the guys that came here, they were awesome. They, they all did a really nice job. And then we had them, you know, I had the coaches rank them on their ability to learn the game, retain it, do the whole things. And he was number one of all the guys. No, I wouldn't say I, I disagree with you. I don't believe it's a reach. I believe this guy's a very talented player in the future. You know what? I can see this guy developing into a really good football player. So why not take a shot at it? Okay. I mean, there's no reason. This is a quarterback-driven league. You have to do these things to sustain the level you are for 10 years down the road. This guy just wants to play football. You know, you're talking about that. I saw a guy. I used to know a guy. He used to flip it into coverage too. Sometimes he made it in the Hall of Fame one day. I'm not comparing him, but I'm just saying those those things happen. Deshaun Watson is a great kid. He has proven that, you know, he's, he's the senior who proved. He battled for the title last year. He won the title this year. That's very special. And, th- you know, those guys, that's a big deal. But at the end of the day, we had Mahomes rated above Watson. That's how we saw it. Well,
2: wow. so I, I did file my taxes while that audio was playing. Was a little bit long, but we wanted to capture. And that was cut down.
0: That's leadership. He stood up there and in the took those micro. Questions for everybody minutes. questions you. Yeah. In the macro, you can throw up your middle fingers, and that's why I get paid to make these decisions. All of you, shut the hell up. I know what I'm doing. That is exactly what happened there.
2: And a bravado that was vindicated. So the point is that that guy up there is on staff for your Detroit Lions right now. That guy is going to be in that draft war room. That guy is going to be involved in every element of the scouting process. The reason John Dorsey didn't work out in Kansas City. In, Cle- in Cleveland, it was administrative, sort of how he handled himself, by all accounts. I mean, I wasn't there. But yeah. by all accounts, it had absolutely nothing to do with his scouting acumen. Everybody respects This guy's nailed picks all over the place, everywhere he's gone. He, is a, he didn't just get lucky here is what I'm saying. Yeah. But Holmes is the ultimate example. Here's where I'm going with this. Can I argue that come draft time, if John Dorsey is nudging Brad Holmes uh, a week before the draft, certainly in the war room, and says, look, I think Kenny Pickett is going to be the next Mahomes or going to be the next Rogers, Josh Allen. Probably, whatever, but take yeah. your pick. Yeah, take your comp pick. doesn't matter. is yeah. going to be a star. Shouldn't Brad Holmes and us as fans give some benefit of the doubt more so than we would if John Dorsey weren't there? Because when you nail that, when the whole world minus a few people here there are, are mocking you and laughing you and grilling you for 20 minutes, your own media core. And you produce one of the five best quarterbacks ever, arguably. That is a guy where if they, if he tells me Kenny Pickett, and we'll never know if it's him or Holmes, but if if John Dorsey pulls me aside at the bar and says, "Hey, we're taking Pickett tomorrow," uh, he's gonna be a star. I'm cool with it, uh, I and crazy? I'm cool
0: with it even if Dorsey's not
2: there. Then I'm not cool.
0: I'll tell you why. Look, man, he's the GM. You're in that. Role to make those tough decisions. I am fine. In theory, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Not a fan of reaching for a quarterback right now. But in theory and in common practice, if my leader makes that decision, he gets the benefit of the doubt. And you know what happens if it doesn't work out, Justin? He's gone. Simple. Cutthroat league. You don't win in the NFL and you don't draft correctly. You're done. You're
2: out. You're right, but I'm tired of that. Like, I I don't want to be like, oh well, it didn't work out, but he's gone anyway. Because I don't feel any better about Acuda. Because Patricia's, you know, making. Oh, popcorn
0: I know, but Maryland. in in the th- theory of practice, at that level of you know that role in a in a franchise, your job is to nail the pick.
2: So you're good either way. Yeah. But are you at least five percent more good
1: because Dorsey's I would be, a part of this process?
0: I, I am much. I'm not five percent. I'm like 40 percent more comfortable and confident if it's a quarterback because of Dorsey. If it wasn't, look internally, I'd be telling you, I'd be sitting up here and saying, "Well, look, I'm honestly, I'm questioning the hell out of this pick. Like they got to get it right. And if they don't, they set the franchise back another five years, and they're going to be out of a job.
2: And even if it's not that second overall pick." Let's say it's
0: 20, what 27? Well, 27 but they let's trade say, up. Let's
2: say, yeah, exactly. It's pick 14 is up, and they like whoever is still out there. I mean, I take your pick, and they, you know, they call up that team picking in the low teens and say, like, hey, we'll give you 27 and the Rams pick next year or whatever. If a team already has a quarterback, they, they'll probably do that. That's mm-hmm. worth sliding back on that. You know, what was it Jimmy Johnson at the trade chart yep, or whatever? Yep. I think that matches up like 15 spots, future first. They might even, Lions might lose a little bit for the right quarterback who gives a shit. Like, exactly, right? I I think that this whole like oh they're they're going to sit back and take, you know, Sam Howell as Kyper's projection at 27 or 28 and it's they everyone's so mad about if that. If they
0: believe in a quarterback, no way in hell they draft him at 27 28. They move up heaven and earth to get him.
2: That's where I was going. Yeah. I think they'll trade up for one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, Again, I wouldn't say there's no way. I could see them parking their ass at pick 27 or 28 and take hell of a court. risk. But I, I don't. I agree they better
0: about. know something that nobody else knows in the league. If that's the case, I just because you're way. betting on every those 26, 27 teams, not seeing what you see.
2: Yes, and as the ultimate critic of the Lions, maybe you kind of share the crown with me. Yeah, even I am saying if they take a quarterback, whatever, even second overall, which I, I. I do not agree with. I don't think they should. I agree with the masses here. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably best that they wait. But this group, I like Brad Holmes. Mm-hmm. What what have we seen? I, I think he's a smart guy. Talent evaluator. Yes. And Dorsey there, if Dorsey's in that room and he's telling Brad Holmes, like, look, you really like, uh, I don't know, you know, was it Malik Wilson yeah, Willis or whatever? Malik from, Willis. Yeah, yeah, Malik Willis from Liberty.
0: Yeah, then I would I would be really uncomfortable, but that's a I I just threw him out there yeah, take yeah.
2: Whoever it is. Like if he is pushing for a guy, I'm sorry, I'm gonna put a lot of stock into that. And if he's you know if he's telling me a guy's no good, I'm gonna put a lot of stock into that. I like John Dorsey. I don't care that he wasn't nice to the receptionist in the office. Here's the problem
0: with whatever happens, even if it is a quarterback, walking into that Kansas City Chiefs team. Versus this Detroit Lions team, totally different. Andy Reid's the head coach. Dan Campbell's the head coach. The roster, I would argue B-plus roster at the time. This roster, what, C-minus, D-plus? It's not the most talented roster. Great offensive line. That's it.
2: Mahomes would be good anywhere, though. He's uh, just yeah, better. in theory,
0: but Stafford was really good. Now he's not Mahomes good, but he's a tier two quarterback if that's the definition you want to give him and he couldn't get it,
2: and he couldn't overcome it. And he went to the playoffs three times in his first technically five seasons. Well, now, now we're back into the you have to get Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. I agree with all that, but just in, in terms of in a vacuum player evaluation, I actually will be— I'm willing
0: to, to give the benefit of the doubt.
2: Yes. Yeah. Normally I'm not because they have blown the benefit of the doubt, but I, I think that war room, that draft war room, aside from the knitting, the knitting circle they have sitting front and center usually, I think that they got some smart people there for the first time, like, ever in in my lifetime. I mean, where they have multiple, you could say... I think Mayhew
0: at the... Look, I'm not saying that War Room was full of studs, but, you know, Mayhew had some competent choices, some competent decisions, but, I mean...
2: Well, and I think Bob Quinn had some hits, too. But I was getting at is there's multiple smart people. Yes. I can't remember them having... Two guys that I think are pretty damn smart. That could
0: be a GM anywhere in the NFL yes. right now. Yeah.
2: Yep. And they have two. So, I don't know. I, I just That's kind of, I was curious. You, you agree. You're willing to give it I a, a chance. I think that's the
0: philosophy of football. Get the
2: quarterback right. Everything becomes easier. So, let's transition to Dan Campbell a little bit. I know we touched on it. And mm-hmm. we, we can skew the offensive coordinator thing because we hit it already. Just your general view on year one. I was extremely skeptical. Uh, skeptical. I think you were by As all accounts. yeah. Do you feel like, were you pleasantly surprised, disappointed, exactly what you expected? Where do you land on that? I have
0: a difficult job, right? So every day I have to sit up there and think of what am I discussing today? What am I seeing? What's new? And with Dan Campbell early on, it was a bad roster, but I had to deal with people telling me they would win 10 10 games at my own network.
1: Don't
2: get me
0: started. But beyond that, (laughs) beyond that, I, I stayed the course, and I knew this was a 2-3 win football team. And I jokingly named my fantasy football teams this year Lions 0-17. Because I thought they could lose every game. And damn it, they were looking like they were going to do it. And again, I think year one, he impressed me with the Anthony Lynn situation. That's it. He didn't blow me away with his schematics. He didn't out-coach anybody. Well, he ran the ball forty six times against the Steelers in cold weather. Wow, like, I didn't know. Bad weather. You have running backs and a good old line. Kind of what you do. Huh. I mean, it's not. It's, there's nothing spectacular about him, but there could be something amazing and spectacular about him. But you don't know yet. Year one, they built the culture. Whatever. All these words. Great. I I did this like five word game on the morning show. It was like year one. They, uh, they took care of business. I, I did it uh, the week, two, three weeks ago, the first time we did it. I put year one, uh, good for culture. And then the second time we did the five word game, I had it uh, year one is over, now win.
1: It's time to win. You
2: think it's time already? I'm more of a year three guy.
0: You're more of a year three guy for the division. I'm more of a, you better win six, seven, eight games. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I I'm not, I I'm not accepting like three record. wins.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm not winning. I'm not accepting three wins next year with that schedule. I, 100%. And I could make that. the legitimate argument again, pending free agency, draft class, what they do. Even with Jared Goff at quarterback, that's a seven, eight win football team. Could be nine. The schedule, you got the NFC and AFC East, Giants. Who knows what they look like year one, potentially underdabbled. You play the Washington football team, who may be the Washington Commanders. I don't even know at this point. They don't have a quarterback. You play the Miami Dolphins, who just fired Brian Flores. Good luck. I wonder who's going to want to come there, where if you have two winning seasons, back-to-back, you get fired because you disagree with the GM. All right, cool. And then you play the Patriots, who have Mac Jones. Look, I mean, they struggled down the stretch. Teams started to figure out how to get this kid uncomfortable, and then, of course, you have the Jets. Who are they going to surprise anybody this year? Robert Saleh going to win ten games? Probably not. No. So they they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity, and this is coming from me, huh? Which means I put a lot of thought into this. They could win seven, eight, nine games, and I would not be surprised, given that yeah. offensive line, the way they play football. Controlling the clock. Aaron Glenn, I think, is an outstanding defensive coordinator. And I think with more skilled position players in the secondary and on the front, uh, defensive front, they'll, they'll turn a top 18, top 19 defense next year. I think so. I think it's doable.
2: Makes a big difference. Yeah, Just being like middle of the pack from mm-hmm. where they've come from the past 32, few years.
0: 31. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a huge difference. And I think the way they will play football. Can Translate, and I always said, I didn't feel good about the Minnesota win. That meant nothing to me. When they beat Arizona, I saw game plan. I saw, two, three years from now, uh, Justin. Oh, okay, that's like Cleveland Browns. I saw that. I've seen that before. Kyle Shanahan a little bit. Not as creative, but okay. I've seen that game plan, that model, evolve into wins. Minnesota throwing it in the end zone last second. That... The Minnesota Vikings gave you that game. That's not winning football. And that's why I didn't like Jim Caldwell. What was the game plan? What
2: were the Lions under Jim Caldwell? I still don't know to this day. Jim, there are some similarities between Caldwell and Campbell. Not, there's a lot of similarities too. There's a lot of differences too. But they both have that where they're going to get the most out of their teams because, in terms of effort, because. The players would go through a wall for them because the players love them, and we saw a little bit of that in an objective metric. Not saying it's the the be all end all, but I tweeted this out the other day, and Ben will throw it up there. The Detroit Lions, in terms of just against the spread, were the third best team in football. I by the way, I can't believe Dallas led the league. The, Dallas is usually at the bottom of this because people bet them and overvalue them because they like Dallas. But I digress. Against the spread, if you're gambling in Vegas, the Detroit Lions were 11 and 6. Now it's a fun way of saying 11 out of 17 times they outperformed sort of the public expectation of them. But again, not the be all end all. But I do think in this case that's actually kind of relevant. The Lions really did only get hammered what three or four times, which is yeah, like
0: which I mean, and the I would say five six times really, but. It doesn't matter. Did they get I don't think blown that's... out five or six? Days? I mean, opening day, their first game of the of the year was yeah. really bad.
2: I just there were a lot of games where they, going in you thought they were going to get destroyed. The they Ravens, won, Packers, one yep. yeah, you know, and it's like they, they hung in there. And look, if that's year three, and that's what you're saying, that's a disaster. But given how, bad, it reminds me similar, honestly, to the Pistons last year, where it's like this team stinks. And they were, they'd were be down, like, like, four in the fourth like quarter. Golden State yeah. in the fourth quarter. It's like, what the fuck's going on? And it was great because they'd lose and got the pick. But, yep. like, there's something to be said for that. I think that Dan Campbell has as long of a runway as you can possibly have in the locker room, you know, without winning, basically. Like, typically, if you're an asshole and you lose, Matt Patricia. You're out quicker. You're. you lost the team. He had lost the team already. The fact that he said he lost the team in year one, if you believe there's a great article, the female He lost the team
0: game one. I could make the argument.
2: In training camp before year one, according to the article, I wish I could credit her. I can't remember her name. It was a great article.
0: I read this article. I do not know her name, but some of the things that were happening before the preseason, I mean, you don't talk to people like that, let alone... Guys, you're you're sending out there to put their bodies basically on the line. Yeah, professionals. Like, come on, these are professionals. They get paid more than you. Show a little bit of respect. But again,
2: shitting on Darius Slay and
0: like calling him. Oh my goodness, calling him out. I guess Campbell. Ridiculous. But
2: Campbell doesn't have that problem because Campbell can lose, like you did this year. I'm sorry, he mm-hmm. was not like he was a loser, but the team, the effort a was losing a losing team. It was a losing team by a lot, by a long shot. But he, I don't think they lost the locker room one iota because of his character and how he runs things. So he has a longer runway. but it's not indefinite. Is that a good thing though? In theory, because the coach is so
0: nice and the players like him, that he can no, be I don't.
2: I I think it's secondary to actually being competent. Which I don't think he's a competent head coach. I look, everybody's. Loves the guy because he's fun mm-hmm. and they have. Good for media, good for quotes. Three wins. Did they go three and three? 313 and, and one. No, no, I mean, at the end, though. Didn't they win oh. three of their last six or three of their last. Yeah, seven? and
0: Jared Goff was three and one in his last four starts. Yeah, so
2: it got a little cute at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it. I get the energy. I don't think there's any carryover effect. Kind of what I'm getting at is like he can last longer, but he has to start winning or forget the fans. He's going to lose the team. You're one over, win now. When when is the point? Because this whole like oh he signed six years that doesn't matter if he stinks they'll get rid of him. In I mean, year three it's the Fords they'll always give him one year too many. But if he stinks in year three he'll be gone before year six. Yeah. Like that's just the reality. What's sort of like the timeline? You said next year you want to see six seven wins. Yeah, we're all here to win divisions and get to the playoffs and win. That are we all? mean you and I. Some yep. people have lower some people standards. no no what's the point for you where it's like, look, you haven't won a division, you haven't won a playoff game or whatever? Because I don't care if they finish in the wild card and win two playoff games and go to the NFC title game. That's fine, too. I don't get fucked in the division. Yeah. Not to bring up that old Sam and you guys had that argument.
0: Yeah, I right. think it's a ridiculous argument. Some
2: version either way. Yeah. Either win the division or two playoff games, playoff game, whatever. And yeah,
0: nobody's mad that the Eagles are in the wild card.
2: No. But what's the breaking point for Adam Beidou? <laughs> like where you're like, this is not going to work out.
0: Well, it's on the field product.
2: No, but what year? I can year? look past.
0: Uh, like what year do you need
2: to see those boxes checked, or one of the two boxes? Oh,
0: but year three, really? Year three, you're not anywhere near the division, or anywhere near a wild card run. Oh, good you're luck. Done. Yeah, I I I made the comparison. Dan Campbell must be Jim Schwartz. They overtook a very toxic environment, losing culture. Come in, don't win many games year one, but everyone's feeling upbeat. Matthew Stafford, Cleveland Browns, we all remember that game. Year two, Stafford gets hurt. All right, whatever. You can, like, let it go. Next year, golf stinks it up. I am willing to give Dan Campbell year three. But by November of next season, I'm going to have a really good idea, and I may be 90% right on whatever I decide on Dan Campbell.
2: I'm already, by year two, I think we're on the same page here. Six, seven wins, that's fine, but especially with the schedule as you laid out. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole oh, they only got blown out four or five times. I thought it was only like three or four. You said like five or six or something, mm-hmm. whatever you said. Like, that's cute now. It's not
0: cute when there's expectation. Year two, that's
2: already gone. Yep. Even really good teams sometimes have clunkers that get blown out. Like Even the Patriots had a couple of games where they got rolled. It's the okay. Lions rolled them. <laughs> I don't expect to win every game. But I don't mean just not win. I mean, like, yeah. get embarrassed. I'm cool if they get hammered twice. But if they get blown out four or five, six times, even next year. That's going to
0: be tough to swallow.
2: I'm already out. It's it's even more more about that. What's the trend
0: in the NFL? The fourth place team goes and wins the division next year. Isn't that the oldest saying? Yeah. Yeah, because the NFL. You can go find a guy that can turn into a Pro Bowl corner off the streets if he's good enough. Like the talent, there's an abundance of talent. We've just had a hard time getting it. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: That's all it is. Forever. 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 And in coaching. And again, you guys like What's Dan Campbell? I don't know right now. I really don't. It's not fair for me to say, well, he'll never work out. I, I, I'm not that naive. I'm willing to watch it unfold. But I know by Thanksgiving next season, I'll have a really damn good idea of this guy if he's going to win a division.
2: And if he ends up winning two games next year and you say bad things, you're going to get called a hater. And a oh, I know. I'm, and- oh,
0: I mean, believe me. I mean, these last four months, I've developed extremely thick skin. No. I mean, I've been called the book. There's some great creative names, by the way, people call me. It's actually fascinating. Dollar General valeni. We'll, we'll get to that's that. That's one actually. of my favorite ones. The
2: Valeni thing's coming up in the speed Oh, round. is it? it oh, spoiler alert on that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is where they land. I think they have to be – they can even be bad next year. and Show not, me progress on the field. Yeah.
0: Offense was anemic. Eight games, nine games in. You turned it around. Thank you. I saw progress.
2: Even if they win five games and only get blown out twice instead of five times, like the arrow's pointing up. Yes. But, but year three, the whole like, oh, as long as you're going the but right is direction it, shit. Is yeah, it?
0: it would be. Because Jared Goff is the quarterback. And what if he stinks next year? Then what? I'm supposed to give Dan Campbell two more years, technically, because they got to draft a quarterback if they yeah. don't do it now. And I have to be fair. My job is to be fair. Tell you when I'm right. Tell you when I'm wrong. That's my job. I also have to be fair. If Jared Goff sucks next year and they win three, four games, unless I am so confident and the next guy I'm bringing in, is it really far-fetched for me to say Dan Campbell gets year four? I don't think it is. I don't. Now, if you're telling me if I'm running the team and I draft my quarterback, and he's not playing well rookie year under Dan Campbell, hell yeah, I'm getting him out of town. And I'm bringing in the offensive-minded guy. But, again, I don't know what Dan Campbell will be by year three. So it's, it's tough to have that
2: conversation. Yeah, we're in a weird spot. I mean, we all know he's no no danger anytime soon. But, like, I think we're, we land on the same page here. Like, year three, I need to see a, like— I need to see a wild card run, at least. Yeah. Yeah, because the playoffs expanded. It's like it's even easier. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about expand even more now. Nine like, wins.
0: Nine wins got you into the playoffs this yeah. year. If they expanded, eight would have gotten you in.
2: You know, and Rodgers is going to be gone. Green Bay might be mm-hmm. in a rebuild. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, let's go. people
0: always tell me that Matt LaFraud and all this stuff. Is, people are hilarious.
2: I don't get that. Green like
0: Bay that. will get it figured out sooner than later, even if it isn't Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur can coach. Go find me, your head coach, in your lifetime. That took you to two NFC title games in a row. First coach in NFL history to win thirty nine games in his first three years, just in the regular season.
2: Remember when you and I got mocked like two months ago for saying Shanahan was good? I can't believe we have a conversation about this. People are dumb. That's like this is what I've accepted. It's like like, oh, like they're five and six or whatever, five and four, whatever they were. They were kind of like middling in the middle of the year. And people are shitting on this guy like before
0: the season started. It was I think our second or third show, August fourteen or fifteen. Quote me on it. We were giving our early Super Bowl predictions. And I sat there and I deliberated. And spoiler alert, I had the Rams and Bills. But I really wanted to pick the 49ers. And for a good two minutes on the show, I went back and forth between the Rams and the Niners. It's not shock to me that what they're doing now, they very well could go into Lambeau and win. Wouldn't surprise me. That's how much I think of Kyle Shanahan. But if you ask the idiots on... In your chat or my chat,
2: here yeah, Don't put here it, it on comes. me. That's well, definitely chat. my chat. So
0: the idiots in my chat, here we go. Oh, well, he has a losing record.
2: Oh Look <laughs> at the show God. you took over. You took over a show that was, you know, Ra Ra lions, and we we're doing selfie videos celebrating in our car because they won their fifth game. I mean, I, it's, the audience in general, not just yours, loves the everything, you know, pro rah, rah, lions. And it's funny because they'll shit on other teams much better coaches. Yep. So they'll go through a wall for Dan Campbell. They'll, they'll tell say, me Matt LaFleur's Caldwell's. an
0: awful coach.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But
0: Jim Caldwell
2: deserves another job, yeah. my ass. They'll mock, they'll mock LaFleur, they'll mock Shanahan, but Jim Caldwell was great, and and they, they absolutely love Jim Caldwell Campbell. was
0: great. That, how we throw that word out is so irresponsible.
1: He's the
2: best coach in history. It's what like, does that
0: mean? Now, for the Lions, not much. That's And that's it's going to bring us back to the Stafford co- argument. Here we go. In the context of the Lions, he's successful now. You can't talk about him.
2: Yeah. That's it.
0: We're done. Yeah. Now, you want to tell me he's Aaron Rodgers or you want to tell me, Adam, I don't believe he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe it's Tom Brady. He's got to beat Tom Brady on the road to prove to me something. No, he doesn't, actually. He doesn't. He could lose this weekend, even though I have a lot of money on him. He could lose this weekend, and I have... No issue with it. He's already done what you said he couldn't do. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's over. It's, it's done. And
2: by the way, we talked about it on your show, and I called in. Was it this? Yeah, this yep, week. Yep, this week. Obviously, it was this week. Yeah, like it's over. We won. It's like the the whole oh, Ken Stafford win the division in a playoff game if he gets out of here. It's done. It's resolved. But I, do you think they have? Obviously, they have a chance. Didn't give given Sunday, all that shit. Do you think they have like a real good chance to win in Tampa? Because oh. I think people are counting them out. Oh, really? I, maybe it's. I'm naive.
0: <laughs> I don't watch enough. I feel really good about
2: it. I do too. Tampa's a race. Tristan Wirfs
0: has a major injury. He will play through it. Leonard Fournette, am I getting 40, 50, 60%? I don't know. Ronald Jones, same thing. What's Tom Brady going to have to do against Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Lloyd? Is or Floyd, definitely excuse me. Playing? Definitely going to play. That injury looks bad. It, it is bad. He's going to play. Does he last a quarter? I yeah, don't know. What percent is but, he at? Too? I mean, at, at this level, he's going to go out there for his team. But I think where I'm at right now is Brady's going to have to get the ball out like that. No Antonio Brown. No Chris Godwin. And Mike we, Evans.
2: People forget Brady's lost a ton of playoff games. Yeah. He's also been in a lot, but it's not, he's not invincible. No,
0: he's not. And which coach do you trust more, Sean McVay or Bruce Arians?
2: Oh, McVay. McVay. Yeah.
0: But which quarterback do I trust more? Obviously, Brady. It's not even a question. And that's the wild card in all this. What am I getting out of Stafford? What am I getting out of Stafford? Am I getting Arizona plus some? I think they win. Am I getting the last four weeks down the stretch where he just couldn't stop turning the ball over? It's concerning. But what's this? who's to say Brady scores more than 17 points against the Rams on Sunday? Is it Sunday? Yeah, Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock game. Who's to say they score more than 17, 20 points? Not far-fetched. I got the Rams.
2: I think Stafford, regardless of what happens with the game, they could lose 41-38. I think Stafford's going to have a very good game. I think he's dialed in. I think his biggest knock over the years is he can be kind of like a, what the hell are you doing? This is why he's here. He's not going to be uh, drifting or losing. He's not going to
0: shrink in the moment. He
2: is dialed in right now. This is Everything that he wanted to do was get there, be on a team that has a chance. I just, I'm a believer. I always have been. I've been saying it for yourselves,
0: years. Ask yourselves this simple question. Do you think Sean McVay is going to send Stafford out there to look like an idiot? Hell no. They're going to run the ball extremely well. Van Jefferson's going to run a ton of underneath routes. Good luck covering Odell Beckham. He has the highest grade of any player or wide receiver, I should say, in the playoffs right now. Oh, they have Cooper Cup by the way, who's yeah. oh, yeah, probably a top three wide right. receiver yeah. in the NFL right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So, good luck. Like, the Rams are a problem.
2: Yeah, I like them a lot. I think they have as good a chance as anybody to win the whole goddamn thing, and I've been saying it since Stafford got there. I mean, yeah. it's, I know uh, I know you're a big fan of the
0: Hurt. Yes. And I was listening guy. to Colin, and he brought up uh, a very good point. What you saw against Arizona, the Rams really hadn't done all year. But isn't that what they thought they would be, pre-Cam Akers injury? Yeah. And, like, what I saw on Sunday— or, excuse me, Monday with the Rams and Cardinals? Oh, man, it's a scary team. That team wins 15 games in the regular season. Good luck stopping that. Matthew Stafford doesn't only has to throw the ball 17 times. Oh, music to my ears. For any quarterback. Rams, Rams are peaking at the right the time. The fact that Akers is even back is a <laughs> That's a whole different Back
2: thing. and playing really well. It's like, what the hell did he do? It took me a year to recover from my ACL injury. Dude, tears his Achilles, which is worse. I Kaelin Lucas came back from his in twenty eleven and it was like twelve months and everyone was like Oh, oh wow, my that God. was amazing. Yeah. 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 It's like this guy came back in what, like nine or something? Seven or seven 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 months. It's ridiculous. It had to have been like the, the most minor. Well there's tear- a new
0: there there is a new surgery where it's more evasive, it's not as damaging, and you recover a lot quicker and the ligament is stronger. Apparently. So I it- might
2: tear mine just to try okay. it out. I mean, just come back stronger than ever, like Superman yeah. over here. So we'll we'll get to the speed on in one second. I, the last thing, it's not a Lions topic, but it could become one. I I again, I'm so bad with credit today. It's not deliberate. I can't remember. Someone had a, a tweet. It was a reporter, not a random guy, mm-hmm. saying that um, it was a link to an article saying that Sam Howell, his prediction, this reporter's prediction was that Sam Howell, quarterback from uh, my second school, in North Carolina, is going to put out incredible. Uh, pro-day numbers, pro-day performance. He's going to be great at the combine and all that. He's, he's such an impressive raw talent. His tape sucked this year. Everybody knows that De'Ami Brown left. He lost like, his top three Javante receivers. Williams. Yes, Javante Williams. If you have a guy like Sam Howell who was on any recruiting board. Either,
0: number one, number, basically, going into the year. Yeah,
2: number one, I, I, number one quarterback to everyone, but I mean, number one, like in the whole country at any position on some list, two or three at worst. Looked like a stud for his first, certainly for a true freshman, but his first two years in North Carolina looked great. Had no offensive weapons the next year and struggled for sure. Do you think if the Lions take Sam Howell who I know you don't like, but is it indefensible? I did
0: text you before the season started. I know you did, but, but it was because of the team too. So I, maybe I was a bit much. I was a bit hard on him. If
2: they're picking pick thirty-two, and I know you said, "Oh, they have to trade up," but if they take a guy who was the number one quarterback, oh, in I'm the happy. Country, I'm happy. And like, had two really good years, lost his entire roster, and struggled. And by the way, a little bit overstated on how bad he was. People were acting like, yeah, no, he wasn't awful. And he's go
0: watch the Wake Forest game. He could play. So. Go watch the Wake Forest game. You'll fall in love with Sam Howell.
2: A little small, a little short. But and I, look, I admit I'm a Tario guy. Like I, I'm biased. It's, it's my you know master's, not undergrad like Michigan State. But I actually think look, if you pick him top ten, like I'm out. Like I don't. Yeah. It's, that tape. Was- well,
0: honestly, no. In theory, given you know the conversation we had, if they trade up and that's their guy, that's their guy. I'm all in, just like they are. Fair, even okay. if I disagree with it.
2: Fair. I'm not as in, but like if they're sitting there. Twenty-eight, thirty-two, wherever that. I think means. it's a steal. Yeah, it's just the the guy you're getting for the pedigree. It's given what his the
0: trajectory was.
2: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sell the guy completely out. The guy, number one quarterback in the country. Big consensus. factor in all this.
0: Who is coaching at the Senior Bowl? The Lions. Who is Sam Howell playing for in the Senior Bowl?
2: Is he playing in? The Senior Bowl? Oh, excuse Bowl? me, He's not in the
0: not in the Senior Bowl. Um. Uh, who is, uh, God dang it, off the top
2: of my head. I'm trying to remember the player. Some exhibition game. What are you saying? Th-
0: no, no. Are oh, you talking about a different sworn. quarterback in the senior bowl? Yes. I'm, excuse me, not Sam Howell. My goodness. I can't get him in my head now. There's like four quarterbacks that the Lions have. One of them, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, my goodness, I'm drawing a blank.
2: Somebody oh. projected in the first round.
0: Long story short, Scott Bischoff, draft scout, good guy, came on the network a few weeks and he's been tweeting this out. Lions are going to get comfortable and in front with this kid. No. Can he pick, Can he
2: pick it? You forgot pick it? We just talked about Yeah,
0: it. I, I told you I drew a blank. <laughs> yes. And yeah. uh, they're going to get extremely comfortable with him.
2: Well, that's going to be the And they're going to see him up and day. close. because He's not going to – everyone's like, oh, pick it 14th overall. No, the that's hell not, he isn't. N'Kobe Dean,
0: 28, all these people putting out their PFF mock drafts. People are so stupid. PFF is stupid.
2: Somebody – it's a quarterback, first of all. I mean, you, you just named the linebacker, which you, it's true, too. Like, the, like the good quarterbacks are you know, relative good in the draft. They're going
0: in the top 10 minimum. Three are going in the top 11, I Even could Even
2: 12 or 13, maybe. But, like, they're not going in the 20s. No. Like – you know, you'll find, you you'll find Desmond Ritter
0: maybe, Malik Willis in the 20s, but yeah. no, that's no, not right, what I'm interested right. in. Yeah, So, yeah, when it comes to Sam Howell, we'll go back. I'll get back on track. Sorry. Sam Howell. I'm not mad if they take him. Even if they trade up, I'm not. Sorry. I asked this question so many times, and, and people get mad on my show because I always ask questions because I think it really— You got to think as an audience, as a fan. It doesn't matter who you are. You have to think. Have you seen Jared Goff speak? I think I have. I'm pretty sold on what his peak is. And the last I checked, there's no Todd Gurley on this team. That offensive line could replicate it, but that defense is nowhere near what the Rams defense had. May I remind you, he threw one touchdown pass on the way to that Super Bowl, but it's not important. I've seen his peak, and that was with Sean McVay and Lesnita's GM. Do we have that in Detroit? Don't know. Definitely not true right now.
2: The head coach, definitely not.
0: Definitely the not might, the coach. Who knows, G- GM, maybe. And you need all that to come together. And you need a bogus pass interference call in the NFC Championship game. Good luck.
1: Yeah,
2: they all. I've seen.
0: Worst I've seen the peak. I've seen the ceiling. With Sam Howell, I don't know what his ceiling is. He could be even higher. Could be worse. <laughs> I don't know. Give me the guy with a ceiling that's not been identified.
2: I'm yet. glad you're with me on this. I feel better about myself because I look well, for a week there. I was like, they're ridiculous if they take a quarterback. But I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, they got Dorsey. They got it. We kind of trust Holmes. I mean, I, I'm actually good with it. I, the, the Howell thing in particular, again, I just like the idea of if you can get a guy in the 20s who was the number one guy in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. I think there's value two, there. Incredible value. Mm-hmm. It, we're going to we're going to skew the high school pedigree in his first two years in college based on like a bad couple of months. And Relatively what is bad, what is every bad, coach's
0: bad. dream? the quarterback that stayed long enough in college yeah, because they got more reps and they saw more coverages and they digest information much better. Yeah, You don't want, look, I mean, there's always the anomalies of guys that come out after the second year, but I mean, they don't all work out. And look, I get three full seasons of Sam Howell comes in year one, gets to sit maybe under Goff. I'm not opposed to it. And if Goff stinks it up, there you go. Insert the rookie.
1: The other good Can't thing get with, any
2: worse. The other good thing with Howell, aside from the talent, is incredible leader, incredible kid. Everybody loved him in Chapel Hill. Like there's no drama there. Smart. Smart guy.
0: Very smart.
2: So you don't have to worry about any of that. It's like the that's all a plus.
0: John Dorsey literally just brought this up in that video you played. Yeah. Who can identify and digest plays? Who who has a learning curve? Who's who's at the top of our board? Don't be surprised if Sam Howell reaches the top of the board or the Lions. In all those categories.
2: If you give the A-plus intangibles, the A-plus smarts, the A-plus leadership. He's mobile. N- mo- can move. Never been in trouble of any kind. Mm-hmm. He, that's all. Never I, ran he,
0: away from the cops. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> Baker. There's, there's no, there's n- all that's an A-plus. Yep. All that stuff, you don't have to, there's no projection there. That's, mm-hmm. You can put that in stone. You can chisel it in the rock. And you already know the talent. They said talent alone. He was five-star super recruit. Mm-hmm. Two productive years on the field. Again, everything is pointing towards this guy being a good pick anywhere in the draft. Yep. Except a couple of months, a couple of bad games with no help, basically. I just, I like the idea. I just want it on the record, on tape with the cameras on me. I really think he's going to be good, whether he's a star, who knows. But I think he's going to be a starter. I think he could be like a Carson Palmer ish, you know, one or two Pro Bowls, like, a good, viable quarterback you can win with. I think that's what he'll be wherever he lands.
0: Yeah, look, I, I'm i not opposed to it. I'm really not. Yeah, good. I'm it's, glad. it's not that crazy of an idea.
2: I'm on the record now. Sam Howell, or, you know, again, we talked about quarterback. I trust these guys. Let's get to the speed round. I don't want to run too long. We'll, we'll get into it. So I don't know how to explain this you, you're a fan of the show. Let's just get right into it. Your biggest sports whiff. I put Darko up there. We all know Darko is mine. What was your, in your whole life, not just your career at WSN, the biggest whiff? I'll give two. I'll give two. Oh Yeah, yeah, You
0: go ahead. So at WSN, obviously, uh, I haven't whiffed yet, so it's kind of annoying. I've only been in the industry for five months. You're too dialed in. I'm too dialed in. I'm too good, but I will say, I did not think Penesul could transition at right tackle midseason, go back, vice versa, play left tackle, then go right, but he did. I'm very happy I was wrong on that, but I think the biggest whiff I had was, <laughs> man, I actually thought for a moment in time that not only Darko would work out, but I wasn't, again, I was too young for me to even credit myself with being wrong on Darko, but once I became a teenager-ish, Stanley Johnson.
2: That was a popular one.
0: Oh, Stanley popular Johnson, popular and again, like I was, I was still in my teens, but Stanley Johnson was... I looked and I was like, oh, man, this guy can play defense. He could get to the hoop if he develops a jump shot. Super excited. Hell no. My goodness, was that wrong?
2: He was talking shit to LeBron in his rookie year in that oh playoff my series. And we
0: were excited about it. And it was like, oh, oh man. They,
2: that was my first, like, oh, shit. Like, no, it's great if he actually goes and, like, locks him up. Yeah. But th- 35
0: and 10 and 14. Oh, he
2: dominated us. And it's just like.
0: That was the time where Detroit was, like, basically in, in turmoil. Everybody wanted to keep that horrible roster, make the eight seed and get swept in the first round. And I was obviously in the minority of blow the whole damn thing up. What do you have to lose?
2: The same people that like that shit are the same people that film themselves celebrating the lotto balls. And yeah, we got Kate Cunningham. It's like, do you not understand that you were rooting against that moment of pure joy for like the last eight years? Yep. I just, I don't understand people that don't understand the connection there. It's like, why are you celebrating Sneaking in as the eight seed is a 40 and, and getting 40 swept. Team. You're
0: not even like sneaking in as an eight seed when you're developing your roster and you're learning how to play playoff basketball and you're learning how to win. That makes sense. The hell you were going anywhere with Blake Griffin and Andrew Drummond. Oh my God. And Reggie Jackson. Reggie
2: Jackson. That, yeah, that's a great point too. If it's like on the ascent arrow pointing upwards, if in three years, Pistons get
0: swept in the first round, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, and whoever the hell that team looks like in three years. As a number six, seven, or eight seed? I'm not going to tell you blow up the team.
2: Uh, I don't know about blow up the team, but three years from now, that's pretty uh, bad. M- Maybe it's too I'm much. talking like, I want to see him, um, yeah, two years. Two years? Okay, yeah. let's say two years. Yeah, I'm with you. There. Maybe
0: two years more realistic. Yeah. You're getting Sadiq in his fourth year. Cade will go into his third year. Starting to enter his prime. Hopefully, he's a superstar by then.
2: You'll have Panchero's on the team by then. And...
0: <laughs> I know you're high on him.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I just, that's your pick. I think the Pistons are lucky. In this regard, if they get that top three pick, the top three prospects, by all accounts, are bigs. They're all 6'10". So they're walking
0: team. away with a, a, a core need on the team. Yes. No matter who it is. The
2: needs match with the—they're aligned with the best player available. I think the presumably. most recent
0: report was they would take Jabari Smith if they had the number one overall pick.
2: I'd be fine with Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, grid. everyone's shitting on Holmgren because he's like 76 pounds.
0: Jesus, Kevin Durant, just all of you shut up and learn from history. I did a segment on that too. I had to walk through history and life and all this stuff. Like, yeah. Long story, but learn from your past and you will be successful in your future. There history you repeats itself.
2: Holmgren can do basically everything except be look big. Like that, like it's, it's, I don't need shoot, him to look can, big. <laughs> I, 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 me I need him to shoot
0: 40% if he can. No, it's kind of amazing. But let's say 37, 38% from the three point line. I need him to get me 17, 19, 21 points. I don't need him to get 18 rebounds.
2: not in my interest. Tomkins' basement to me is like 20, 10, and two and a half blocks. That's not a hell of like a, a superstar, but like a second tier star. Now he's all star, could, all star. Yeah, all yeah, star for sure. I, I think uh, I mean barring injuries, that's always out there. But like yeah. that's to me is his basement. Like he's not, he's not going to bust. He's too big. He's too athletic. He works his ass off. He's got a, the biggest motor. He was running circles around Monte Bates in high school. It's hilarious, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, the, I like that. They really need a talented big, and there's going to be three or four available. They don't need – I I'd love the first overall pick. They don't need it. They could get the third pick, fourth fourth pick maybe, and be fine. But anyway, moving on. Your best sort of the – getting into the yang of the previous one. Your best contrarian vindication. I put Chris Leak up there because I famously predict Florida to win outright as an almost two-touchdown underdog to Ohio State. I'm I've had 06. multiple. You should know. <laughs> I know you have. I I like that four to one for me because you weren't in my group, but I was, it was like 20 to one. I was ridiculed. You're just saying that. I said, no, man, I was on the SEC train before anyone. Like, that was mine. Is there one that sticks out to you where it's like everybody was like, I've had three
0: in the last 12 months.
2: Name them all. We'll start
0: with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Started off the season 10 to 0. Yeah. Famously lost what? Six of their last seven games, five of their last six. Phenomenal. I told everybody they were not the team you think they are. Of course, Monday night comes up; they lose to the Bills. The rest is history. But that was my first like taste of real vindication. That I was can like, vouch for that one. I too. we talk about it to this day. I said Michigan would win the Big Ten championship even after they lost to MSU, and I I tried to articulate this to all those Michigan fans like chill out. Your whole schedule's ahead of you. You went out. If you don't win the Big Ten Championship because Michigan State wins out, you have the best loss in the country. You will make the college football playoff as the number 14. Yeah. Like it was still in front of them. So the, being right about that, I mean, calling Michigan and Michigan State to start the season 7-0, that was fun. That I mean, I've I've had, had some fun that. ones. I, I've had some fun ones. Yeah,
2: this is why you're in the big chair. man. Uh,
0: Cardinals. When they were 10-2, I said they would lose almost every game for the rest oh, of the season. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. All the
2: other ones I could vouch for, but yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I've, fun I've had it. fun.
0: I mean, I've, now I'm in front of a mic every day, obviously. So I'm going to be wrong a lot of the times, too. It's just part of the game, I guess. You can't be always right. But yeah, those are some of the ones, at least since in my semi-professional career.
2: You're really strong with discernment, which is big. Any asshole can check the standings and say that team's good or that team's bad if they go down the the way. Oh, I'm
0: willing to put my neck out there because if I ever tell you that there's an 11-win football team 13 games into the year, they're bad. I've spent 13 weeks figuring that out. That is not, I just don't like the Steelers. They'll collapse. No, no, no. They lost in the first round to the Browns. You at home,
2: to, to the problems. you got, but at least you got all your you know roses from everyone. At I time. mean, uh, yeah, I you got not. full credit. I not. Like, I you lost deserved. my mind that week. Uh, I've had your back from day one on that one. So, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, and I said we'd get to it. Oh, yeah, the faux Mike Fulani label. This is something you and I have shared, although I think you've mostly taken the mantle from me. So, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Like. Anytime you say anything bad about any of the Detroit teams, it could be as objectively true as imaginable. Yep. It's typically the Lions. There's always somebody in the chat and Twitter replies, whatever, saying, oh, you're trying to be Mike Vellani. Mm-hmm. I dealt with it for years. You've dealt with it to a level I never even saw. Does it frustrate you to see that at all? Is it just like a shut the hell up? Or I'll tell not- you what.
0: Uh, first week doing the show, uh, August 12th, first uh, first ever like full-time show. That whole week, mauled, mauled with DMs. Wanna be Mike Valenti? Dollar General of Mike <laughs> Um, You know, it's uh, the first week. It, it did get to me a little bit. I was like, "What the, what the hell?" First of all, I'm not. My show is at eight a.m. His is at what two? Yep. I can't even hear what he's gonna say for my show. Like everything I'm saying is because I am thinking this way. Number one. So just to get that out, and then of course. I had like a a really like long conversation with my wife and she's usually the person I have these kind of conversations with. I'm like, all right, I am going to close my ears and they can call me what the hell they want. I haven't been wrong yet. So till I'm wrong, they can all shut the hell up. Well, even if you are wrong, who cares? Oh yeah. But I think in, in the terms of, I'm going to say what I think. And if you want to tell me that that's an opinion of Valeni's, great, me, Valenny, and even you most of the time share the same opinion. I am paid to give my opinion. And I'm going to give it, and it is frustrating at times because I think people do it to kind of discredit what you're trying to do, but they have no idea what goes into a two-hour show. You're talking six, seven, eight hours a day just of prep. That doesn't include figuring out what you're actually going to talk about, let alone doing all the research after. I mean, this is, it's much more, all of this that even we do here, there's so much more involved where in the beginning, like the essential, basically the whole start of this, I did get frustrated. And then I obviously I just put my head down and now I laugh at the comments now. I like some of them. I'll send like a handshake emoji. <laughs> uh, some people will tell me like, uh, you Mike Valenny want to be like, uh, kiss my ass. And I'll tell you like, yeah, sure. When and where? Like, I just I have fun with it now. I'm past the letting any social media comment get to me. And I think I'm so good at that because I have never been on social media. I was never a social media guy. MySpace, Facebook, none of that. Like there's no history of me on social media. I was never that guy. I was kind of antisocial. And here I am in front of a mic. It makes no sense.
2: Yeah, it's a, you're too good to be hidden any longer, which I said for months and months, but we won't go there. Look, I mean, here's the thing with that before we move on. Because I, I heard this like five years ago, too. I've heard maybe longer. Like it did bother me a little bit at first. It was just annoying. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't crying in bed. Yeah. But like it was just like. No, it gets, it's, it's frustrating. Like what the hell do you know? But you here's don't know my, me. Here's the bigger takeaway though. It's actually sort of an indictment on the media generally in this town without naming any names because I think it's a general sort of commentary. But if you're up there saying, uh, oh, I'm a Giants fan, screw them, or you're, you're stealing exact phrases, or you're suddenly talking horse racing out of nowhere, maybe like the faux Mike Villani stuff makes Oh, that sense. would make sense. We've both heard it by like, oh, the Lions, what the Lions are doing is malfeasance. This is irresponsible. How do you let them take Jeff Okuda? Something that I said before Mike Villani even talked about it. Hey, because I know because I listen to Vlani. It's like when I was saying that, I was getting it. It's like, it's interesting that any criticism of the You're teams, associated with him. He's the only one. But it's one. a credit
0: to him. He is yeah. the best in the business in this town. Yes. No yeah. no question about it. And they know I am it saying it. Yeah, He's the best. Yeah. And all of you should shut the hell up. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, like, it's it's funny to me because he knows what he's doing. He's damn good at it. And I can't give him anything but like, you know, throw the, you know, what, what's the saying? Throw roses at somebody like he's earned the
2: right to say whatever he wants. And he's he's damn good at his job. He really is. At some point, you have to say scoreboard. The guy's been like top of the race. Yeah. Like even
0: years. and that's coming from me. Look, I'm at a digital media network. Woodward Sports. Obviously, you know, you want to identify One as a competitor of ours. Sure. But I'm not going to shit on him. He's really good at what he does. He's really good.
2: That's why you and I steal his act, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess. That,
0: like I, I take those, com- those comments as compliments because yeah. that means I'm doing something right. I'm
2: with you. Moving on. Can Michigan or Michigan State win the college football playoff? Now, I do not mean next year. I mean, let's call oh. it a 10-year span because oh. we've seen both get there and get absolutely destroyed. Mm. Do you think either team can viably we'll win What's no, the window? Three, five years? I, ten years. We'll oh, ten it, years?
0: Yeah. Give me State.
2: Not even – so you think – Michigan One of them State. again. Well, but, I'm more
0: confident in Michigan State. Okay.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. think
0: between who I'm more confident in, Michigan State, I think both can win it. Okay. Good. I do think both can win it. Oh, man, there's something about Mel Tucker. Uh, I, I know I'm Saturday probably day. cheesing up to the wrong guy here, Michigan, Mich- uh, Mr. Michigan State see. himself.
2: Well, but, you I, mean, know, I do have him on my wall times. I mean, times,
0: I was called a Spartan all year because of the takes I had on Michigan State. People thought I was a Sparty. <laughs> It was the funniest yeah, thing ever.
2: I, I got called him a man that had wearing Trump guy. I didn't even graduate
0: stupid. college. Yeah. Like, it's the funniest thing. It really is. And I went to Henry Ford, then U of M Dearborn. So if anything, I'm more of a Michigan guy. Yeah. And my household is literally literally Michigan people. But anyways, like I try to like keep any bias out of my sports stakes. And that's why I was so right on Michigan State. Because if I was a true Michigan man, oh, the horse shit that would come out of my mouth. I would be wrong 70% of the time talking about Michigan State. But all year, I was spot on on him. I had him undefeated going into the game. I predicted them to win that game. And of course, I expected them to fall off at the end. I just didn't think they were that great. But they had enough. And I was pleasantly surprised. But Mel Tucker is a hell of a recruiter. You should know firsthand the people he's going to be able to pull, especially from the South. Hell, I got a lot of stuff on social media. I argued Michigan State fans should root for Michigan against Georgia. I did. That was like one of my big things. Those hot takes. Look, hear me out. And the in the grand scheme of things, Kirby Smart finally got it done, right? Georgia's gonna be good for the next 10 years. That's that's done and dusted. They're gonna be phenomenal. Alabama, gonna be phenomenal. Louisiana, phenomenal. Always gonna be. They're in the south. But Mel Tucker's ties in the South, nobody in Ann Arbor has that.
2: Even out west. The Even two guys west. that were sitting in the chair before you, the last episode we did, Kane Hauser and Jeremy Bernard. Hi, like high four stars. You know, there's four mm-hmm. stars, like top four-star guys. Nevada and California. Yep. D'Antonio wasn't getting those no, guys. I mean, no, Occasionally every And that's what
0: year, I'm but. looking at. And what I see is tremendous upside. And Mel Tucker, what D'Antonio talk about all the time? Ohio. I didn't push. And, well, I didn't push enough. Oh, yeah. Once yeah. we reached that pinnacle of, you know, quote-unquote success to get where Mel Tucker's at right now. We never invested. Oh, I'm all in on this Michigan State project.
2: I like them a lot, especially now they've doubled down on Tucker's salary, and I love everything they're doing up mm-hmm. there. So we'll move on. Most overrated Detroit athlete in your lifetime? Ooh. Someone you saw, you know, if you can't think of the one, just think of a one. Someone that just people were all about, and you were kind of like, eh.
0: I guess Prince Fielder really comes to mind. Delivered in the regular season, not really the postseason, but Overrated Lions player. I do have a Lions player that I always thought was extremely overrated, and um, Herman Moore.
1: Oh, so you're going back?
0: Yeah, I'm going back. Yeah, never a fan.
2: He was great at that, like third and six or third and goal from the. He six. was like throat toss it up, but he was an bit.
0: All Pro player. He was so he was good. Don't get me wrong, but the way we pre- perceived Herman Moore. It's like four years in, Calvin was already beyond Herman Moore, across yeah. the board. And we had this clinging of, no, Herman Moore's the best. Uh, like, what the hell? Yeah. Do you see what this
2: thing is out on the football field? <laughs> like, Overrated like, does not mean bad. So, no, yeah, he's, yeah.
0: he's tremendous, all pro, I'd mean, deserving of all the accolades he's gotten. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But the way he's perceived here, oh, too much for me.
2: I'm with you. Okay, we'll go with that. Flip side of that. Most underrated Detroit athlete in your lifetime. Someone we didn't appreciate enough.
0: Max Scherzer,
2: really? I don't okay, think we appreciated got, him I feel like he got his.
0: He got his nationally. I don't think we appreciated him.
2: Okay.
0: In the city, maybe he, I'm totally off that's on that.
2: Actually, that's now that I'm thinking about it, he was like a he was quiet, huge, distant second to Verlander in people's hearts and minds. Yeah, and- Verlander
0: was the guy, even though Scherzer clearly at the time was a more outstanding pitcher than yeah, Berlin. Yeah, for
2: like a two- or three-year stretch mm-hmm. there. When he first got here, he got he was so bad, he got He leaves and wins
0: multiple Cy Youngs after. How badly did we botch
2: that? Well, that's we've talked that's- about that on this show. Mike <laughs> Illich got mad. I don't know if you remember how that went down. Basically, they asked Scherzer what he wanted. Um, he gave the number, or Scott Boris did. And Mike Illich came back and said, okay, like, give us a couple of days and we'll let you know. Came back and said, okay, it's a deal. Scherzer came back and said, actually, I need a little bit more. Mike Ilitch is a proud guy. This isn't even, like, my reporting, although I do have sourcing on this, too. Mike yeah. Illich said it. And uh, so Mike Ilitch had the money, could have done it, yeah. and just was so mad at the the negotiation that he said, take a hike. Who won that one? I I'll think. give you
0: another underrated player. Yeah. I'll give you two of them. Matthew Stafford. Underrated, underappreciated in Detroit. Yeah, I mean. Especially after this season. Like, it's the narrative is done. But, man, we want to talk about not appreciating a guy that drove. Dragged you. 42 of his 70 wins were fourth quarter comebacks, I believe. Somewhere around that ballpark. Like, best quarterback we've obviously seen in our lifetimes in a Detroit Lions uniform. I'm trying to think of each one from uh, one player from each team
2: specifically. How many games did he go into percentage-wise? As an he, underdog? Where, at no, least 80%. What, not even just underdog, where he had a schematic advantage on his sideline in his headset. Zero. Well, I'm sure I'm sure. Come there's on. some game where he was going against like, a team. Maybe there's
0: four games in his lifetime.
2: Yeah, uh, very few. I mean, you Jim know,
0: Caldwell was never giving you a week to week advantage.
2: We'd have to break down the schedule, but they had to have been playing some. I'm sure they played a team that was like
0: 2 and 12 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh,
2: there, there had to have been some. Like, Jim Caldwell is not like an all time bad guy. No. I don't go too far. But like, it's under 30%. Like, he For was sure. at least three out of four times he's at a decided. Disadvantage, like just schematically for like sure the guy in his year versus the guy in his opponent's year I'm with you yeah I mean we laid out a lot of the reasons why last one and we talked about this a little bit too just the hardest part of your role now you were in your role at Woodward Sports Network you were kind of a jack-of-all-trades you did appear on camera but you were doing like IT stuff yeah no stuff. I mean
0: uh, part of the executive team at Woodward Sports uh, leadership wise uh, IT
2: but uh, what you're doing right now like in the past since you took yeah, over like four months ago whatever mm-hmm. What's sort of the hardest so part? So
0: as a, a talent in terms of doing the show and everything?
2: Whatever you're doing now, I don't know your whole purview now. This, I, mean, I know you obviously have retained yep. the management component. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you're still doing IT stuff. but like,
0: Yeah, no, I still, I have, nothing's changed. Um, my role really hasn't changed. It's a startup. You've got to get your hands involved in everything. So uh, the, most, the hardest part of what I do is having to balance everything that I do. And give everything an adequate amount of time. And give the people I work with. Like I am a leader at the company. I have to sit down with my employees. I have to hear them out. What, are they, what do they want to do in their futures? How can I help them get there? What are skills that they want to learn? Like talent development, team development, individuals, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many things that go on just as a leader at a company. And that doesn't even include the 10, 11 hours I put in daily on that morning show. I mean, I give it everything I, I got. And I think the kind of proofs in the pudding, not just ratings, views, but how often I'm quote unquote right. Like That's just from prep. Like I'm not some genius here. Just putting in a lot of hours, looking at a lot of data, a lot of data and looking at recent history, long term history. What has happened? How does it work out? Like there's so much involved. It just it's a it's a lot. Let's just put it that way.
2: It would be inappropriate to get into specific examples, So I'm not asking you to, hey, recall this time. But you have had to let some people go. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is that hard? Because that's
0: easy for me. It's
2: my least favorite part of what I do. Like when we've had to, just as a company, let somebody go. Yeah. I mean, whether it's I'm sitting with somebody or just, you know, whoever. I had to
0: fire somebody. Um, oh, I'll just say Art, Art Smith. Yeah. So we had to let go of Art Smith. And it was a very difficult decision for us at the time. And I was the one to do it. And I have a good personal relationship with Art. I have nothing against him. And I sit him down in the room and he knew, he, he felt it. Like the pressure was there. And I sat him down and I spent about 15 minutes complimenting him and helping him like future endeavors, anything you need. I have connections willing to help you. Uh, like, like for me, getting rid of people, I think is very easy when you're honest. When it's disingenuous, it's very difficult to fire people. And I'll have to get rid of people who knows in the next six months, probably. Who knows? You never know. But you have to, it's part of the job. And as long as you can look that person in the face and be honest with them, I think it's pretty strict.
2: Can I make some recommendations for firings? I'm kidding. No, yeah. Maybe you're off the air. No, actually I, I, I do like like the vast majority of what you guys do the people over there, what you guys are doing and yeah. Obviously, you're gonna have disagreements. I, I'm predisposed not to like the Michigan's beating everybody by 50 point show that yeah. appears uh, midday on your <laughs> on your airwaves. But uh, people, you know, there's an audience for that. You know, it's just not it's not it's not this one, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah, obviously, you know. Big fan of what you do. I was a fan years before you knew who I was. I was.
0: You were a fan of mine before I even knew what the hell we were
2: doing. I, I mean, I, look, I think I knew you were good before anybody, but maybe your parents. Like
1: <laughs> that's every wife. But I'll tell you, I was what, your first. Fan. There were
0: two people that caught on extremely early. There was you, three people: yourself, Sean Belizean, and Drew Lane.
2: Well, two icons and then me. Great. They, remember, <laughs> so, Sean
0: Belisian was part of the network early on. and yeah. He was a big part of yeah, it. Sean's a friend of mine. Great guy. Yeah. Love Sean. And Drew also lended his voice at the beginning and was, you know, helping up coaching talent and trying to identify talent on the network. And I was considered somebody with, with potential, but I have so much responsibility. It's impossible for me to dedicate myself to a show. And I, I stood my ground for a year. I refused to get anywhere near a show. I just felt it was impossible. There was no way the amount of views I would project to pull was worth me from my administrative duties. And boy, was I wrong. I was totally wrong on that. And then one day, uh, Chad, who's the uh, CEO, investor, founder, sits down and says, tomorrow, uh, I need you to do the show. Like we need, we need to do, we have been talking about this for a while. We need to change going into football season. What's the best decision for the company moving forward? And we make the swap. Nobody expects it. Thursday morning, we show up. New whole new show. Me, Kennedy, Jeff. And, I mean, the, the proof is there. The views are there. The engagement's there. And the rest is history. And I've kind of had to take a step back in a lot of the things I do. Some for the betterment of the company, some not. And to this day, we still struggle with a lot of it. And we're a startup. So, we're going to continue to fight. We're going to continue to try and grow. I'm going to continue to try to manage my time the best way I can. But, yeah, man, the hardest part about what I do is I have to give 150% to everything I do, and there's no time in the day for it.
1: Yeah, that's the show
0: hours. To get the show prepped, all the topics, just the topics, not even my research, just to get the topics, hour, hour and a half. Research and prep, another four, five, six, depends on what we're doing. And if I'm doing a deep dive, good luck. It took me about two hours. No, it took me almost three hours, basically, to come up with that 15-minute tirade. Two to three hours spent on the first 15 minutes of the show. Try doing that for nine, eight segments. Like, it's a lot. And then you have to be in front of the company, talking to your employees, board meetings. Projection meetings. That's getting data. my like money
2: doesn't have to do, by the way. Of course. I no. mean, that there is a difference.
0: Yeah, no, totally, totally different aspect. I mean, would I love to be just a talent? Sure, but, you know, I've lived in the startup world for the last five, six years of my life. I love it. Like, I love working the long hours. I love wearing many hats. Um, built the damn studio.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm course, not even an engineer. I'll say this now. If you go back to the administrative stuff by, in a cubicle or something, like I'm going to kill you. Because I need you on camera. Oh yeah. I, you, I need you <laughs> out there. I was so mad because you'd like fill in or you like, do your segments all the time mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, can we get this fucking asshole back out here, please? <laughs> like, dude, get this guy. Well,
0: January, I cut cold turkey. I was like, I'm going to the back. We are struggling behind the scenes. And I complain. You guys need to figure out the, the show. Everybody, we need to figure out the show. Focus on that. Make it the best thing you guys can do. Sean, Joy, Stick, Joey, Corey. Make it the best thing we can have grow the network. And then obviously we got Darren McCarty, who was amazing. Uh, Tom Mazaway. So we started to grow and grow. And then really, it was a period from March to August, September, Re- really till August, where it was myself, uh, a lot of people in the company, I'll just name a few, Justin, Jesse, uh, Chad himself getting involved, a lot of us putting our heads at the table, Joey, Sam, but a lot of the execution was, oh, well, we don't have time. We're doing, we're doing this. We're doing that. So it was a good six, seven-month period where we overhauled everything in the company. And then at the end of the day, it's turned out for the best. And we were pretty prepared for football season. And you know what? Whenever the teams are good, that's good for us. Nobody wants the teams to lose. That's not a thing. Ratings aren't better when the teams lose, I promise you. I have the data.
2: I did, I did threaten to leave forever if, if Kennedy uh, left. And she did leave. She broke my heart. and I'm so happy for her. I love you enough to have stuck with you and uh, non-regrettably because you're awesome. But Kennedy's a stud, though. I I mean, you want to talk about handling people
0: at work? Kennedy's the perfect example. I mean, to cultivate that kind of talent and get her to where she was. And it was all her. I mean, it's not like we did anything special. We just gave her the, the platform. But she crushed and she had an opportunity. And I would be an asshole to try and keep her. I'm choking right now.
2: Uh, I mean, everyone with Kennedy, Ow. Kennedy in particular, like she was such an easy spot at least for me. I thought I was really cool thinking she was good, and then I started talking to people, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, no shit." <laughs> like, like you, Isaac. Like any anybody I talked to was like, "Yeah, like she's oh, Isaac. yeah." I love Isaac. He's he's the man too. Another ah. uh, yeah, another multi-time mm-hmm. appear on this show. So I don't know. You guys are tied now at two each. So. It'll be the rubber match at some point. Yeah, but I got to be Isaac on
0: that one. Got to yeah. beat him on something. Can't yeah, beat him on the food.
2: He's tough. He's tough, man. He's, he's the man. So, uh, man, it was great time with you again. Mm. Let's not let it be like 13 yeah, months. Yeah, definitely not a year. Let's
0: do two, three months, something like that. Yeah. Something, you know, rotational. You get, you keep get a get, regular rotation. I'll keep inviting you on. You're, I mean, you have the number. Keep you, you inviting me on. You, you can call in. In, on. you can call in any time. Well, I mean, yeah, from but a calling I can standpoint, call in,
2: like Joe from Pontiac, and well, I never know
0: your sky. I mean, we. I mean, it is a morning show. Ooh, you am have my band
2: from there. Be honest, because I heard a rumor that I was discouraged from appearing mm-hmm. by uh, not your show, but I
0: the... mean, you are <laughs> probably banned on other shows. Definitely not on mine.
2: <laughs> I heard, and, uh, heard. I heard. I heard. Like. Short of my picture on the wall, I am effectively banned. Oh, no, we don't
0: have like this, you know, people (laughs) can't appear list. But if there was, I'm sure you'd be at the top. I'm I'm
2: like right there next to the guy that used to counterfeit dollar bill at Lady Jane's. I guess my picture's right there. Well, people should check you out if they haven't already. You know, I'm seeing you're growing and stuff uh, just in terms of the objective. People watching your Twitter following stuff is is climbing. And people, if they haven't discovered you yet, they got to get on board here. Because you're the most prepared. I mean, you are like the film rat quarterback of the Detroit media. Like, just no one is more prepared than you. I honestly believe that. You laid out some of the hours, which are just, I mean, I figured it was a lot, but even more obscene than I thought. So, um, honestly, friend of mine, obviously, but before you were a friend of mine, I was just a fan of yours. Biggest fan. Day one one fan.
0: The Uh, first one to give me a compliment. I want the on the Woodward forever. Sports Channels was Justin Spiro, just a heads up.
2: Yeah, I think I was actually the first like 37 compliments. we were all me, actually. But now people are catching on. You, you, you're you mm-hmm. growing now, and, and you know I'm rooting for you. I, I mean,
0: it's, it's a crazy game. It is. And it, I don't like to diminish it and call it a game, but, I mean, this is entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. I can be as prepared as I want to be. If I'm not entertaining, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No one's going to tune in.
2: You can just get more people to worry about. Ben and I just have each other to worry no. about. And Eric, Eric works you know, from his couch, so he mostly avoids our tirades. But, uh, man, I'm rooting for you, people. Got to check you out. Yep.
0: Thank you. Do thank all you.
2: the radio fun stuff. You know, Morning Woodward Show, 8 to 10, Monday through Friday. Yep,
0: yep. Monday uh, Monday through Friday, catch us on uh, live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, live on the radio from 10 to 1230 every day. We're on Riff, 94.7 HD2, one ninety nine. Uh, excuse me, 93.5, 99.1. Yeah, check us out, Woodward Sports. Feel free to give me a follow. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, you probably don't want to follow me. Depends, uh, depends what your cup of tea is. But if you follow Justin, you'll definitely enjoy following
2: me. Yes, and uh, we've had your Twitter name up there like a thousand times at the lower third, but it is yeah. at Adam Baidu. Mm-hmm. And uh, technically, it's Adam, right? Did I say that? No,
0: there? no, it is Adam. It, it is Adam. <laughs> let's, Adam. Uh, let's settle that debate. I am tired of people bringing that up to me. <laughs>
1: no, oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: not like in that sense, but like people always ask me like, well, how do you say your name? I'm like, Adam.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Are you, are you it's sure? my name. Yeah. yeah. Can
2: you verify that? Like, yeah, no, no. Oh, no. they should check you out, man. And honestly, I, I think you and I will be in front of our TVs, watching intently this weekend with the Rams. Absolutely. I I don't know if people, it might be actually better for both of us if the Rams lose, because we will be so insufferable. At least I will be. I can't speak to you. You
0: know what? I'll be honest with you. If they win, there's nothing I'm going to say Monday morning that is going to shock anybody. Oh, believe me, I'm going to be cynical as fuck.
2: You better. (laughs) Detroit, better Detroit
0: is not ready for a Matthew Stafford NFC Championship appearance. Having said that, he's already given middle fingers to the city. He's done it. Playoff win, division win, the most wins he's ever had in a regular season, and he did it in 16 games. By the way, he lost the 17th game, so I don't even want to hear that.
2: We're most in, it's not even close. We're in gravy territory, but man, would the gravy be sweet? Oh, <laughs> the sweetest gravy. I, sweet I would. Gravy.
0: I have been desperately looking, and I'm not sure if you can help me after the show for a Detroit Lions the mascot head. I have not found anything close the, to the, it. The Rory, Rory. Head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't found it, and. If Matthew Stafford wins, I'm showing up on Monday with Alliance head on my whatever ma- head. I don't know what they call it, mask, whatever it is. I'm going to be wearing a Matthew Stafford jersey, and I'm going to have Martha Ford, Sheila Ford, William K- uh, Clay Ford right on my desk. And there's going to be an abundance of middle fingers going off that show. <laughs> Can't wait. I,
2: I'll, I'll be making an in-studio appearance that day. Uh, maybe not on camera, but I'll be in the building. So, all right, man. It was a blast. Yeah, be no, back it's dude. always
0: fun. I I, I love talking to you, man. You I might be back next
2: it. week. If the Rams win, I might be. If the Rams go to the Super Bowl, we're going to do a 10-hour oh, my Super goodness. Bowl preview show. Absolutely. Just you and I. We'll get, we'll get extra waters for that one. But, uh, man, I'm excited. Yeah, I am choking it's, near the end. <laughs> I, lost, I almost like, lost my voice. Talking to me is going to be putting I anyone mean, me to the ringer, man, frankly. No, so, I
0: enjoy it. I always enjoy talking to you. I no, appreciate it. It's right back blast.
2: at you, man. So Justin Spiro, Spiro Avenue Show. Thanks to Adam Baidu and Woodward Sports Network. Check him out 8 to 10, Monday through Friday. Thank you to the great and powerful Oz. Ben, on the other side of the curtain, always does a beautiful job for us. Eric Williamson, who is probably asleep, frankly, by now on his couch. Uh, hopefully uh, he'll catch the show at some point. We love him as well. And uh, yeah, special thanks right at the end here to The Only Callers, who gave me a guest column spot that I was not too big of a disaster and that they invited me back to write another one at some point. So uh, we had a lot of fun writing that article on Keaton Hauser and Jeremy Bernard, talking about their appearance here behind the scenes. Check it out, theonlycallers.com. Great guys over there, and, and Ryan and David Harnes um, really held my hand. They said we will uh, fully accept all the slings and arrows that come from publishing anything that you write which is inevitable when you deal in these waters. But uh, they didn't care, and neither do I. So, hey, uh, just like those Stafford haters, uh, you Darko State News haters, uh, you can go to L2. But we love most of you. <laughs> Justin Spiro, Screw Avenue Show, Adam Baidu. And great to have you, man. We'll